Good evening. We're going live one minute early because it's going nuts in the tank. Enjoy. Hey there, thanks for signing in. Welcome to the picnic table ant trap. We start in half an hour after a bit of feeding in the multi-species tank. See you there.
Hey there guys and girls, only 15 minutes left of this feeding before the interview starts. See you there.
Oh, hey, bud. I think you're. I think you're muted. Yeah, there we go. Now there we go. There we go. There we go. I was just saying, my headphones have literally just died on me, and my camera's not staying where it goes. There we go. Right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the picnic table and chat episode one of season two. Today, I've got with me an absolutely awesome guest, and I'm really honoured to have him on. It's DBCB Exotics, and we have here Dakota with us. Do you want to say hello to everyone, buddy? I appreciate the intro, man. How's it going, folks? A lot of new people that I haven't seen, a lot of ant people. I'm interested to see uh, uh, what what we're going to be talking about this podcast. I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah, to be honest, I'm really super excited because I love watching your channel. Like, it's one of my favorites to watch at the moment. It has been for quite a while, so it's like a real honor to have you on, to be honest. Oh, I really appreciate that, man. No, thank you. Um, so we've got loads of questions, and I'm sure we'll get a load more in the comments as well. Uh, so I'm just going to jump in. When did you start keeping these exotic pets, and why? Oh, so... The very first time I started keeping reptiles was, I believe I was 14 or 15 years old. I was a freshman in high school. Um, I always wanted a snake, really liked the corn snakes. Um, parents always said no. Uh, I believe we were going to go on a, a vacation. It was, um, I don't remember where, to be honest, it's been so long ago, but that ended up getting canceled for some reason. So to make the kids, you know, not super sad that we're not going on a vacation, I got my corn snake. Nice. <laughs> now, that I think that's where it really started. Um, unfortunately, you know, being a 14, 15 year old, that snake didn't last that long. Uh, trusted a lot of the advice of the, the Petco PetSmart employees, and it just um, did not make it more. I think I only had it for a couple of years, unfortunately. And then um, once I started moving back to New England, that's when I started keeping reptiles again. And then uh, that's when I got Rex, my bearded dragon, which really yeah. started kick, kick started the reptile things. Like I, I did own a corn snake back then. But um, Rex the Bearded Dragon was really what kicked this thing off into what it is today, really. Okay. So what pets do you have currently? Oh, geez. Um, I own somewhere <laughs> around 150 animals, uh, mostly geckos. We've got crested geckos, gargoyles, days, uh, standing eye. Of course, the toke is right behind me. Yeah. Uh, Chihuahuas now. They're a new addition. Uh, we've got uh, actually quite a few monitor lizards now. We got a pair of Ackies, yes. a, um, a group of quince monitors, a trio of Argus monitors, a pair of Tegu lizards, a red tail boa. Oh, geez, uh, a couple of bearded dragons, and then um, not reptile related. I have a, a blue and gold macaw, an African gray that are both rescues, um, three rescue dogs, a mastiff, a husky, and a little little chewini thing. Great combination. <laughs> And then uh, two bunnies and a cat. I think that uh, that's wow. about it. Wow. So a lot of stuff. There, there are a lot of things. If, if I wasn't doing this full time, I probably wouldn't have as many animals as I do. Yeah. yeah so that's going to lead me on to another question. You say you do it full time. Do you have like a separate reptile house or does it is it everywhere in your house? What's the sort of setup you've got? Um, so it's a little bit of both. I, I have an extra building that I use for the, the large lizards. And then the, the problem with that is obviously the electric bill over here with this many animals, it's pretty high. It's, uh, yeah. anywhere around an average of $400, unless you're talking about winter, then it's astronomical, but, uh, doing that and heating the, um, other building, it, my bills were like $1,500 a month, which I just couldn't scratch. So most of this stuff is actually still in the house. But stuff I can't fit, you know, five foot Argus monitor, and then a couple three foot Argus monitors. That's yeah. 
the house would be pretty full at that point. So all my big stuff is in the building. It makes it a little bit cheaper. It's only a couple hundred bucks that way. And then the majority of stuff is here. This room is pretty much filled. Uh, the room right behind me is filled. And then we've got stuff like living room. There's a craft room that reptile. They're kind of scattered all over the place in here. And then the entire other building for the larger stuff. Yeah. Um, so whereabouts is it that you're based? I'm based in uh, the New England area. So the building is over in Dover, New Hampshire. And then I, my house is located in Maine. Uh, we're actually going to be moving here fairly within this year, actually. I'm just waiting to uh, get the pro uh, breeding project going, uh, get yeah. some babies, make some sales, and we'll be putting a down deposit. So hopefully by the end of this year, we'll be located in North Carolina. Oh, nice. Is it? I know it's really cold where you are, isn't it? There was ice on your windows. I Very cold. Uh, yeah, that day it was yeah. uh, negative seven. And I, if you guys, I don't know if anyone's been, everyone's been watching the channel, but uh, my uh, furnace broke down recently. And it was uh, one of those, you know, dinosaur furnaces, apparently. It, it's stuff yeah. you probably should check when you get a house, but I didn't check it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so, you know, they want like five grand to replace it. And me being stubborn and kind of cheap, I'm using space heaters right now, which works. But we lost half the house because it was too expensive to heat the whole thing. But yeah, over in that section, the entire uh, window, the little, I have a little glass sliding door that's entirely frozen over. It was that cold over here. Yeah. Yeah, that was madness. I saw it on the video. I was just like, look, babe, look at this, look at this. Uh, yeah, awesome. Um, do you have a favorite type of animal? Oh, favorite type of animal. Um, it's got to be monitor lizards. There's, there's something about the monitor lizards. You can own frill dragons. I own a frill dragon, too. I think I forgot to mention that guy. Okay. <laughs> you know, the lizards, the bearded dragon frill, Chinese water dragon. There's something once you get a monitor lizard, you really start seeing the intelligence that these animals can hold. And it's unlike anything other. When you look inside a regular lizard's eyes, you don't really see much going on. But when I take a look at if you guys notice uh, Bimson, my newest Argus monitor, my big male, I can see stuff working in his mind. When he's flicking his tongue, I can see him taking in that information, registering what's going on within his surroundings. And it, it just opens a whole new experience to reptile keeping when you start keeping animals like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I've watched some of your videos and they're so interesting. Like, obviously, I'd love to keep something like that, but I just haven't got the room. Uh, maybe one day we'll introduce one to the ant corner. <laughs> um, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of different sizes. Quince monitors, if you're looking for, if you don't, if you're looking for, um, for like an apartment or a house, something like that, something a little bit smaller, they only get around three, maybe four feet. But um, I absolutely love those for like a mid tier yeah. monitor. They're pretty cheap now. I believe, well, I guess they're going up in price now, but I think um, 700 is the usual average for one. Okay. And I saw you had like a really, really big Argus monitor, wasn't it? Yep. Was yeah. That's my big old male. Just got him, uh, I believe, two weeks ago now. Yeah. And you think he's going to be the biggest on the internet? Is that right? Oh, I mean, I haven't seen I haven't seen a bigger one. Yeah, he's not the biggest monitor. Kevin McCurley's got those Asian water monitors, those black throats, but I think he's the biggest Argus monitor on YouTube so far. Cool. Cool. Well, I'll keep my eyes open for him then. Um, would you say that you've owned your dream pets or is there something that you want to dream for? You know what I mean? A real dragon would be fun, wouldn't it? But Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, when it comes to dream reptiles, and at least in my personal case, I, I always have a bigger dream after that. 
So at yeah. first, you know, it was a bearded dragon. I wanted to get a bearded dragon. That was my dream animal when I first started this. Then it was the tegu lizard. I've waited four years for a tegu. Then the tegu wasn't enough. Now I need a monitor lizard. I need something a little bit bigger. Now I've got monitor lizards. Now I want crocodilians, you know. As soon as we move to North Carolina, I'm looking at American alligators, some mutations, some caimans, things of that nature. It's It, it just seems... I keep wanting to go bigger. So when it comes to dream reptiles, the dream never lasts very long once it's yeah. obtainable, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much the same. Like, I'll, I'll think of something and just go nuts for a week and then it's done. Like, there's yeah, exactly. no stopping me. If, if the idea is in my head, there's no stopping me, you know? I'm, yep. I'm, I'm the it. same way. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, as long as you do the research first, I think that's fine. I always do lots of research before I just dive in. Exactly. Yeah. Nothing impulse, but like I say, a four years to get a tegu, all that was watching, you know, every single tegu video and care yeah. thing on YouTube that they have. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I think that's how we all learn these days is YouTube videos. Yeah. I, I think, I think the real issue is so the standard care guide, not only are care guides very outdated and they're not republished very often, right? You, you go to Google something about, you know, we'll, we'll take bearded dragons, for example. I see a couple of people here at bearded dragons. You go look up what heat thing you need. What What's the heat temperature you need for the basking spot for the bearded dragon? You'll get five different answers within five different yeah. links. But now when you're talking about YouTube, this stuff is up to date. You can see something that was published weeks ago that has the yeah. most up to care thing. Now, at the same time, you are trusting the content creator to be doing their proper research. But uh, I think it all comes down to finding just the right source of information. But with YouTube, yeah. you're not only getting the visual learning, but also audible. And I think that putting those two things together is a lot more powerful than just reading some care guide. Yeah, no, I think that is right. Yeah, definitely. Um, so what are you currently breathing? I know you've got loads of geckos and things like that. What do you breed? We got loads of geckos right now. Uh, you guys will be able to see on Thursday, or no, Monday, sorry. Thursday's another video. You guys will be able to see on Monday, we're just starting to pair stuff. So right now we've got the Chihua geckos going, the Madagascan giant days, the standing eye. I just paired a couple of crested geckos. Um, we're going to be doing toke geckos next week. And then we also have a uh, Chinese cave geckos that we're going on. Um, excuse me. And then I, I, I kind of phrase these more as like passion projects because I'm still trying to dial it in and figure it out. So I don't really state that I um, breed these, but the Argus monitors, the Tegus and the Aki monitors, we're hopefully going to get eggs in 2022. I've been trying for these guys, but I mean, coming up short, Aki's was very close. We got the clutch of eggs, but I just didn't incubate them right. And unfortunately they didn't make it um, the full term of the incubation cycle. Okay. So they're quite difficult to breed these large Monitors. Yeah, the monitor, the Aki's not so much. The Aki seem to be a little bit easier, but when you're talking okay. about stuff like the Argus monitors, and I, I just lump Tegus in there because this will be my first year doing it, so I don't really like to say, you know, I'm breeding Tegus when yeah, I haven't yeah. even got eggs from yet, but I do have a pair that I'm planning on breeding. Uh, but the Argus monitors, it, it, when you're doing it stuff with large lizards, it, a lot of stuff can go wrong, you know? When we're talking about these giant lizards with big claws, big teeth, yeah. uh, and if the female doesn't like the male at one point or the male doesn't like the female at one point, you know, they can do some damage, and especially the side, you know, the Argus being four and a half feet when um, female Argus monitor is maxing out somewhere around three. There's a pretty big size difference in that. So it's a lot of monitoring, making sure that stuff isn't going wrong. You obviously have to provide the proper 
um, nesting stuff, really large burrows and a lot of dirt to make sure that they can dig all the way down. Uh, not only that, you have to make sure the nesting's the proper temperature. Now you're getting heat pads to keep this little yeah. storage box filled with dirt to make sure it's that proper 83 degrees or else they're not going to nest and lay their eggs in it. And then yeah. after that, it's incubating the eggs, making sure they're humidity enough. These eggs are going to take anywhere from around four to six months to hatch. It's just a wow. really long process. But at the end of the day, you know, just I, I don't even care about the money with the Argus monitor, really any monitor lizards. It's being able to see that monitor lizard come out of the egg, man, just like Jurassic Park. That yeah. is like that's what drives me to get these monitors breeding. Yeah, that's literally as soon as you said that, I thought Jurassic Park. Like, yep, yeah, yep. just that moment, isn't it? At the start of the first film. So, yeah, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, well, sorry, this is a random question. It just threw me off. I think my daughter's thrown this one in. Do your parrots talk? <laughs> they do talk. They're, I think my parents are good. I hope they're good. But um, yeah, my parents still talk. They're still together. And um, I, I don't know if it's like with me with reptiles. I think they think I'm just a little bit, a little bit unhinged with it. Uh, the uh, classic comment, they don't really come over anymore. I, I think after 30 reptiles, they stopped coming over as much. <laughs> and now, you know, the rare occasion that they do come and visit, it's always the same thing. God, you have too many animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we've got, I'm going to put these questions which are coming in the comments. I'm putting them in for later, so they will get answered, everyone. Don't worry. Sorry. Do you uh, build artificial enclosures or do you prefer bioactive enclosures with real plants and so on? Ah, uh, so that's a tough one. This is going to be like as a kind of a do as I say, not as I do. But I absolutely love bioactive enclosures. When my collection was still small, around 15 to 20, I had everything in a bioactive planted thing. All, you know, the Zoomed LED stripes and one of them looking mint. And I was really fun at that. But unfortunately, you know, as the collection gets more and more, and larger and larger, it's difficult to continue that bioactive space. So I think at this point, only a small percentage of stuff is truly bioactive. I know all of these tanks are what you would call, they have bioactive substrate. They're just not planted vivariums. Yeah. But yeah. Um, most of the stuff, unfortunately, is artificial. It's something I'd like to change in the future. But for right now, just, you know, financially, yeah. uh, putting everything in bioactive just isn't a um, cost-efficient thing as a business. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I, I've got half and half with my ants. I try and go bioactive, but obviously you need more space to, like, the little enclosure is quite hard. I don't yeah, know if you know yeah. I saw the little isopods running around in the uh, the pre-clip before this. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. So in that tank, um, I've got ants, millipedes, isopods, springtails, worms, beetles, vampire crabs, stick insects, spiders, um and i'm sure there's some other stuff that oh, i'm a lot of stuff going on in there yeah yeah it's really cool to watch though like because it's they're all interacting differently and yeah it's really cool yeah yeah definitely i mean people on the channel seem to like it anyway so <laughs> that's what matters isn't it um do you have any plans for the future in like expanding your channel into new things uh actually yeah i'm, I'm currently doing that right now so Obviously, I've been on YouTube for two years and I've been going pretty hard on it, you know, 467 videos. And um, I've started researching a lot of stuff. If you get you saw that frozen door video, I, I haven't been able to sleep very well and for very yeah. often. So I've been looking up a lot of editing videos, how to do stuff a little bit better, how to bring stuff in. 
And I think we're going to have a, there's going to be a really big change going forward in how everything's structured. I'm actually doing a complete rehaul of the channel. Uh, we're going to be deleting probably 50 to 70% of the videos that are on there right now. I really want to okay. bring it into uh, when you click on this guy's channel, this is a gecko and large lizards channel that talks about this. And I've got a lot of like, frill dragon care guy bearded dragon stuff we got a leopard you know there's a lot of stuff going around where if these videos are getting suggested by people if someone's only interested in geckos and now oh dakota made a frill dragon enclosure setup yeah. it doesn't make much sense you're not going to get that click so we're going to do be doing a huge rehaul um videos are going to be a lot shorter uh i think the next two videos are coming out are only like i think that one's eight minutes and one's like five minutes long but within that, I'm trying to make it as cinematic as I possibly can, yeah. where every second uh, keeps the viewer's attention, it keeps them in check, and they just want to watch the whole way through. So that's kind of how I'm going to be doing stuff pushing forward. I don't know how many videos it's going to take, because honestly, these edits are taking me a lot longer. Just for a five-minute video, for doing something like this, it takes me twice as long as my regular videos that I do. It's a little bit ridiculous, but... Hopefully when I start coming out, I'm really excited to see what my uh, community really thinks about it. And, you know, if it's the right decision to make if people are going to be like, wow, look at this video. It's way better than the others. Or if uh, people just aren't going to care either way. Yeah, no, I've I've tried to do the same myself recently. Tried to have like an upgrade, if that's the right word, just better quality, trying to edit things better and whatnot. And as you say, it is really hard. It's not like something you can just do. You need to actually learn how to do it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and it's all—it's like a learning experience. You can't just watch because I've watched probably six hours of content. I am trash at what I'm trying to do, but pretty much I'm trying to show the story instead of say the story. If that makes yeah. sense, you know, if we're talking about pairing geckos, and I'm like, today I'm going to pair this gecko with this gecko, and they go in the bin. You know, that's boring. No one wants to watch that. But if I'm able to cinematically show that without even yeah. saying anything, that's what I want to accomplish. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, um, it's, I, I always struggle to get the footage, if you know what I mean. I sit there for hours sometimes and they won't do what I want. And yep. then I'll turn my back and that's exactly when it happened. You know, you know exactly what I mean. It's just I, I, pressed, I pressed record on these two crested geckos and I stood there for 15 minutes straight. There's 15 minutes of footage of yeah. these crested geckos because they're like close to each other. Like they're going to mate. And I'm like, I need this footage. This will make the video. 15 minutes they did not do it i was pissed i'm like come on man yeah right so i've got a scorpion and he only comes out at like 1 a.m 2 a.m something like that mm -hmm. and i was sat in bed the other night and I, was like, I can hear him because you can hear his feet tapping on the glass as he walks mm -hmm. past it so i jumped up got my camera out because um there's like a uv light which covers about half of his tank when he walks under it he shines up bright green it's really yeah cool. yeah and I stood there for almost an hour with my missus going, are you done yet? Are you done? <laughs> I'm like, no, I got to see him. And I got no footage. I gave up. I chucked in the roaches and just went to bed after an hour. It was uh, ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, I try so hard to get some of the footage, the scorpions, the crabs. Some of the things I have are just absolutely elusive. I haven't seen my millipedes for months. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I used to have a uh, brown bomber millipedes or the first millipede species I kept. I put them in with the um, crested geckos way back when I put them in and I never saw. Them again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. They, they come out like once in the blue moon to eat and then you never see them again. 
Um, have you got any funny stories that you want to share? Has any of them ever got out? Or Oh, yeah. yeah 150 animals. Something's going to get out. Actually, I do have a funny story. I um, Recently, I moved all the Toki geckos were in the building, and I said to move them in here. You can see they all have um, UV lighting now. I just upgraded everyone to have UVB. But um, one of them, I have them in a 20 tall, but it has a 29-gallon lid on it, right? Well, right. she got out, and I'm like, son of a bitch, dude, and I can't find this gecko anywhere. I searched, and I usually, you know, nocturnal species, I'm up at, like, 3 in the morning with a flashlight with everything pitch black, you know, looking. And it's just one of those things, I'm like, she'll turn up eventually. This room is sealed. She, she can't run out anywhere, so she's got to be in here. Well, recently, and I was just taking a, you'll see this on Monday, too, I did a little montage of me turning the incubator back on. And in order to get to the uh, outlet, I had to move the incubator slightly, and there right. she was underneath yeah. the incubator. Keep warm. Yeah. It was like yeah. probably two weeks later. It looks exactly the same thing. It's because, you know, during cricket day, always roaches, crickets, they get out and they yeah. run around. So she yeah. looked good. I'm like, well, back in you go. Yeah. Yeah. Not an issue. I had a cricket get out and it got under my bed. I didn't see it for weeks. Mm -hmm. um, you but you heard it. it. Yeah, yeah, you could hear it. Yeah, uh, you could. Um, what I did in the end was I put out a little sugar tower like I used for my ants. Left that out, and there it was, like literally within an hour, trying to get some sugar out. And I just put a tub on top. We won't go into what I did to that cricket after it tormented <laughs> me, but it wasn't pleasant. Like. It yeah, yeah, crickets, man. Crickets are the bane of my existence. I can't breed them. So I have to buy them in bulk. So they're like the most uh, big, biggest overhead cost over here. And they always get out. And I swear to God, I, I have 1,500 square foot house. Crickets on one side, bed on the other. Crickets in the bed. I don't know how. Yeah. I don't know why. But I think it's out of spite. I think these crickets know how much I hate them. And they're like, hey, let's go fuck with this guy. Let's travel. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. got to be miles for a cricket. And they trek it. Three yeah. different rooms. They're like, I, this is all just to piss me off. I know it. Yeah, I mean, you're talking to ant keepers now. We get trails going miles sometimes. If yeah, you get them escaping. They just, they're, I saw a post today actually. Someone turned on their telly and their ants had escaped and nested inside the telly. <laughs> oh, man, what are you going to do about that? Can you imagine that? Um, so what do you feed all your animals? You said about crickets and roaches. Is there like a wider spectrum? Um, so it's really dependent. So my tokes will not eat roaches. So I breed a lot of my own stuff. Uh, dubias, red runners, and lobster roaches are my three big breeders. But um, I don't know why, but the tokes just don't want to eat it. So I have to buy crickets for my tokes. I usually fetch it into like the ackies, uh, some of my frogs, things like that. And then um, with the, that's usually the geckos, you know, crested gecko diet as well for some of the other species. And then as far as the monitor lizards go, that's when you get a lot more uh, versatile with their diet. So a variety of different meats, you know, chicken, uh, chicken, turkey, pork, beef, a little sparingly. We would use organ meats, chicken necks, turkey necks, livers, hearts, and then a lot of whole prey as well, that being, you know, chicks, mice, and rats. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so massive variety. So your, your food bill is massive, I'm guessing, just for feeding them. Um, so... Yeah, a lot of the stuff, if you go to like the butchers, the, the good thing is, you know, not a lot of people like to eat beef hearts yeah. and turkey necks. So I get them a little bit cheaper. I know it's surprisingly, you can grill up a good turkey neck and make it into a hot dog, but yeah. I guess people just aren't like that. So that stuff's pretty cheap. And I do breed my own rodents. So that kind of 
lowers that price. But um, I think the biggest thing are just, you know, those grocery meats that you do for especially like tegus. If you're getting veggies, you want to mix that in with the meats and then uh, the fish and then uh, crickets as well. I think those are my three biggest money spenders when it comes to um, costs. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's like with ants, we have to feed them protein and carbohydrates. Protein is fairly simple. Like I breed my own roaches and I buy them wax worms and that's pretty much that covered. And carbohydrates, we just give them like honey water or something. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much their diet. What you've got a lot easier. Like, yeah, what you're doing is insane in comparison to that. Like I can't imagine having to go in and buy like chicken and turkey and Yeah, you gotta buy two meats at the grocery store. One for me and one's the lizard meat. Yeah, that's it. Like two trolleys worth, I expect. It's uh it gets a little pricey. Yeah. So what is your daily care routine like? Do you like have to go to every animal every day? Is it busy? What's it sort of like? Um, I'd say it's pretty busy. I don't really have a set regiment. So whenever I wake up, it's a beauty of uh, being your own businessman. You can go to sleep whenever you want, wake up whenever you want. So right yeah. off the bat, I was like, I don't want a set schedule. I don't want to get up at 10 a.m. every day or 9 a.m., whatever it is. So I get up when I get up. And then I start turning the lights on. The stuff in the building, I have it set on a timer now. So they're not waiting for me. Because obviously, yeah. I do everything in here and then head over there. So I like that they their lights turn on, turn off at a uh, set amount of the day. But pretty much coming in here, I got to turn on all the UVB lights. I'm going to put timers in here just because I'd like it to be a little bit more personable. You know, yeah, I'm a very lazy person. You know, you wouldn't imagine it with all the work that I do, but I'm pretty lazy. And if I have the chance not to check something every day, I won't do it. But this way, it right. forces me. I got to turn that, those bulbs on or else, you know, bad stuff's going to happen. So it forces me to go right up to that enclosure, turn the lights on and then check out the animal. So it's a lot of that. Um, I guess it is checking every cage because I miss twice a day. So I miss once in the morning in this room and then once at night in this room. So it's a lot of checking things out, making sure stuff's good. And then right now, now we're just going to start getting to the breeding of stuff. So making sure the nest boxes are nice and moist, that they're good to lay in, uh, making sure that the animals look good, things of that nature. Yeah. So I saw the other day that you had like a humidity box in the actual room. Is that something? Yeah, like yeah. Humidifier. I just bought that. Yeah. What was that? Is, that? is that something that you have to do regularly, like humidify the entire room? Uh, just for winter. Um, the winters in New England, I think anywhere in the north are just horrendous for humidity. You saw in that video, the ambient humidity right now is like 20% yeah. in here with it off. And especially I got a space heater running in here constantly, making sure this room stays at around 77 degrees. So it's a lot of just making sure that instead of having to miss, you know, two, three, four times a day to keep that humidity, this just humidifies the entire room because everything in here is pretty much tropical at this point. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. So I've thought about getting like automatic misting systems and things, but it's a massive expense, to be honest. It is. It's like hundreds of dollars. So I figured the humidifier would work in my favor. It's a little bit of a, you know, cutting corner costs instead of doing those big misting systems. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I might look at something like that, like like a little handheld frogger or something that I can do over the top of the tanks. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Makes the tanks um, so, look cool too. Good, good cinematic yeah. stuff. That fog in there, looks yeah. nice. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's uh, one guy you might have heard of him, Ants Canada. If you watch, oh yeah, Ants Canada. Yeah. yeah. So he does a lot of like nice video effects like that. If I could get that sort of footage, my videos would be so much better. <laughs> yeah, it's all about. Um, 
I don't know. Gear plays a big, solid role. It's such a YouTube is such a weird thing because in order to get those views, you need the money. But the reason why those people can get those clips and stuff is because they got the gear because they've got YouTube money. So yeah. it's funny. Yeah. You, know, you see the larger creators, you know, they've got all these super fancy PVC enclosures that go up to the wall. Everything looks really yeah. nice. And people, you know, they look, look at the smaller channels like, well, this guy's not doing it. I was like, yeah, I, I'm not making thousands of dollars a month, dude. <laughs> like, if I was making yeah. 10K a month, you best yeah, bet everything would look yeah. and PVC is wicked nice. But <laughs> my uh, my monthly intake for YouTube is a lot smaller than that. Yeah, yeah. No, I completely understand that. That's pretty much what I say. As the channel grows, things will get better, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so do you have much specialized equipment that you use for like the monitor lizards or anything really? Um, no, it's just uh, a lot more than the regular stuff. So instead of like one light, I use three lights and then I use a light. So I use three lights at the basket and then one light for to get that ambient boost. Uh, a hell of a lot of substrate. There's probably in the big boys, uh, the new Argus monitors, I think there's about three to 400 pounds of substrate in there. And then just trying to figure out that basking platform to fit a four foot lizard is the next thing. So I've got like a lot of cinder blocks and then uh, cement pillars in there to try to get that basking point to where it needs to be. Yeah, that's fair. So um, do you wear gloves when you deal with them or do you just go in with your hands? Uh, depending on who it is. So most of them, like my Arguses, although they're like super pissy, you see they're like huffy puffy and they whip me and everything. I've actually never been bit by one yet. Oh, wow. So, although, and I, again, I don't really like force handle them. If I was like force handling, having to move, I probably wear gloves simply because their nails are so sharp. I mean, they'll rip right into you. Yeah. But as far as like fear of getting bit or anything like that, my Arguses aren't too big of a concern. Um, there's uh, the female tegu that was a Florida wild caught. I wear gloves with her because she is uh, she's a little spicy. She's not very <laughs> friendly. So I wear gloves because a big tegu bite's not going to feel very good. Yeah. Um, other than that, no. I used to wear gloves for my toke geckos, but first of all, it makes better content. People like watching me get bit and seeing the bloody fingers. So you got to take pain for the views, I guess. And secondly, I'm a lot better. You're a lot better handling stuff without using yeah. anything that like blocks the senses. So it's a lot easier to restrain and get that proper hold on the toke so you don't get the bloody fingers. So yeah. I really just started not using gloves very often. Yeah, that's fair. Um, originally, I would use gloves around like my bullet ants, and my fire ants and things like that. But like you say, you just can't feel things properly. You can't use the tweezers and i just gave up with it if they bite me or sting me you know you get over it fairly fast no i don't know about that bullet ant sting man <laughs> yeah right so mine aren't the proper one mine are asian bullet ants so okay it would still, it would still hurt a lot but it wouldn't be the proper thing yet it, it, it's not it's not the like the brave wilderness bullet ant where it's like it looks like you got shot by a bullet and then you know yeah, cinematic yeah. screams that will happen soon i'm gonna get some I, oh I really nice, someone nice. And, uh, someone said that they're gonna get them in and i was like right save me a colony i'm having them like yeah okay yeah ants in america is like a really hard thing to do you can't get yeah. any cool ants over here and everything's restricted by uh interstate travel yeah so uh, people i don't know how many people are ant people in the uh, in the states but it's like really difficult to get all these really cool species that you'd want to yeah yeah i mean i've got quite a few um subscribers which are from the states and, and in fact we've spoken to quite a lot of people recently from the states and that's something that we always talk about is the trouble between sending ants and things like that 
Um, there is a few companies which are working really hard to overcome that at the moment for ants. So we've got our fingers crossed. Yeah, I think I think it's a little silly. We're banning ants now. That that yeah, this is where yeah. this is where we at in the government ants. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it can be an issue with some ant species getting out into some areas. You know, they're invasive or whatever. But I think the main problem, to be honest, is fire ants are everywhere. Anyways, I mean, I don't know if you get them where you are. Uh, uh, not so anymore. Not I, I've lived in Texas for sixteen years of my life, and. God damn, did I hate fire ants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they are literally spreading over everywhere at the minute. It's like an epidemic going on. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what they should be more concerned about, not people that want to keep ants as pets. Yeah, it's just like the Florida thing. You know, everyone's hell-bent on the Burmese python and the tegu. Meanwhile, fer yes. feral cats are running rampant, killing, you know, three million birds a year and extincting hundreds of species. Like, we've lost native species of birds because people are letting their cats out but no one wants to have that conversation for some reason yeah yeah guns don't kill people ants do <laughs> yeah i saw that a second ago. <laughs> um do you think um like the monitor lizards and things are very misunderstood by the public yeah i i do i think um I think even within, not even just the public, going into the hobby itself, I think monitor lizards are a bit misunderstood. And I think you can play that on both sides. So we can take species like the Argus monitor, which is known as like the junkyard monitor. It's a species, it's really roped into things like uh, the Nile or Savannah, you know, they're, although Argus monitors are a lot more captive bred, but they're mostly seen as like these horrible animals that never tame down and they're just mean yeah. and wicked. But the reality is that, you know, is if you're taking the proper time, actually taking the steps, you know, these can be wonderful animals to work with. And you're not going to find another species of reptile that's going to stand up on its high. Seeing a four and a half foot lizard stand up, there, there's nothing like that. You can't show me that with another species. And so I think that even that makes it worth it. But then when you start talking about um, if you get into the public, you know, people just see these large lizards and they think that, oh, it, it goes back to the same thing. You know, why would you want to own that? Venomous snakes. Why would anyone want to own that? But it, there comes at a point, you know, like, where do we draw a line in society at that point? You know, like how much further, you know, now if we're not doing the large, you know, big snakes, who would want that? Venomous, who would want that? What, what's the next step now? Is it going to be large dogs? Like yeah. a 130 pound English Mastiff, you know, why would anyone have that just get small to like, where is the, where are we going to keep drawing the line with that? I'm always, you know, I'm a bit biased because I'm in this um, type of business, but I've always in the mindset, you know, if you want something, you should be able to get it. If you can properly care for it and uh, do right by the animal, I don't see why you shouldn't be able to have a grizzly bear, have an elephant, have a tiger. I, I really, I don't see an issue with that. And if we're talking about, you know, at least over here, you know, I know you're from the, you know, America, land of the free, you can do whatever you want, <laughs> yeah. but not really. Like, uh, yeah. it's it just, it's a bit hypocritical. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely understand that, actually. Land of the free, and you can't have anything. Land See, of the uh, free, you can't own a four-foot yeah. tegu lizard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you have to get, um, what's the word, a permit for the pets that you own? 
Um, I do not. And there's a, there's a reason why the building is in Dover, New Hampshire, because it, Maine is a lot more strict. So New Hampshire, I can have a little bit more fun with over there and I'll yeah. keep some other stuff. But uh, and again, this is why the big move to North Carolina is very important to me because they have basically no legislation going on down there. So you can really what a, what my dream was talking about back there a couple of seconds ago, you can go ahead and do that in North Carolina. So that's yeah. really when you know I'm very restricted here where I live right now and what I can and can't do, what I can and can't own. Once we move to North Carolina, you know, I'm going to be let outside the box and I'm going to be able to really get some cool stuff that you guys will be able to see. But as far as permits go, I just kind of choose a specific species to skirt around that process because uh, permitting over here in Maine is very, very difficult. And um, I'd say pretty much impossible. If you're not some sort of research facility or um, an actual educational, YouTube doesn't count as educational, I guess. But if you're not educational or a research facility, you're not going to get a permit for anything. Right. Do you take your animals to shows or schools or anything and show them off? Um, I do not. I'm a bit of an introvert, so that's never been my gig. I, there's a lot of people around here, like up to so recently, you know, Rob Christian over at New England Reptile. I know he was big in the educational stuff. We got a guy over in um, New York, uh, Uncharted Wilds. I think he'd be pissed if I didn't remember his name. Uh, he does a lot of educational shows. He does that full time. And there's enough people to do it. I, I, I mean, look, look, look at me. You think this is the guy that the, the school faculty is going to be like, let's bring him to talk to the children. I just don't think I'm the guy. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I mean, I'm not far off myself, but I haven't got the face tattoo, which you have. But Exactly. They want uh, they want the, the guy that looks like Steve Irwin. They, they don't want me talking to the class. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. What about like an invert show or I suppose a reptile show you'd have for you? Um, I actually do want to start going into um, reptile shows. It's just been a matter of fact that the, <laughs> it's not a bad problem to have, but I have a problem is I sell too well online right now with the channel right. and everything that when it comes time to shows, I got like three things left and you can't put on a show with three items. You know, it's a waste of the vendor fee. So I haven't done a show yet. I, I think this will be the year I do a show. I think I'm finally going to make enough animals. Uh, we're looking at somewhere around 150 animals we're going to produce this year. So wow. I think I don't think I have 150 customers that will immediately buy it, and I'll be able to finally go to shows and show people my collections and what I'm selling. That'd be really cool, actually. That I mean, obviously I won't be able to go there, but just I think it'd be really cool to have you actually in a location where people can come up and see these lizards, whatever you take, and actually get that connection with them. Because I think it's something. Well, you can't walk into a pet shop or pets at home or anything over here and see that sort of pet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's gonna be really cool. I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna drop some money. I want to do it right from the get go. So obviously, big banner, big tablecloth. I want the yeah. display set up. I don't want to be the guy on the empty table with a couple deli cups. Uh, that's just not me. I want to do it like all out. So we'll probably be doing it sometime at the end of the year because I want to make sure that when I first, when the guy comes out, you know, I want people to be like, who is that guy? Not just another guy at the table. I want to be known when I first enter reptile shows. Yeah. Um, this is another random one. Do you ever take your pets for walks? Like, have you ever taken your dragons out for a walk? Um, I do not, but mainly that's because I live in the New England area. So summertime, especially up here, summertime is not good. I think our summers were like 70s for the most part. It was a very right. mild summer this year. Yeah. But um, I do have the building set up where I have all the enclosures pretty much encompass each other. 
So it's a big giant square. So I'll be able to, when I'm doing stuff, I'll let an Argus monitor or a Tegu lizard come out and walk around because it, it's a fairly large building. I think we're somewhere around, um, uh, I think it's 3,200 square feet and it's a two story building. So oh, I, wow. they, they have plenty of room to like walk around and explore and stuff. And then that's when I'm just, you know, doing the chores and everything up there. They can have a little bit of that mental and physical enrichment. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I, I kind of imagined them wearing a little backpack with a lead attached to it. I've seen that before. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I thought you might have going on, but. I'm kind of glad that you don't, to be honest. Hey, no, I don't judge those people. If you wanna, <laughs> if you wanna put your you know, monitor lizard on a little leash and uh, what are they called? The um, I don't know, the, not the collars, yeah, the but harness, the, thing, harness yeah. yeah, harness, and yeah. walk it around. I don't give a shit, dude. Go ahead and do it. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, we don't. You won't catch me doing it, but <laughs> no, I wouldn't do it. I mean, I. I if there was a way to carry around an ant colony, I probably would, but I don't. They need like a special backpack, like they have the parrot backpacks, where it's like yeah. an acrylic case with glass. They need something like that, where it's like little ants, the little glass things, and you just have two straps on it. That'd be awesome, but like the problem, the vibrations, the ants just. Oh uh, yeah, that'd freak them out. Yeah. Yeah. Apart from that, it would be a great idea. Um, I can't even read that one. Have you ever wanted to keep ants? I'd probably keep ants. I've been getting into a lot more inverts. Uh, our last show, we ended up with um, a jumping spider, a uh, Arizona blonde tarantula, and uh, a big variety of uh, mantises. My wife's like really big into the mantises and jumping spiders and stuff. So that's yeah. kind of like her expertise. I used to have like a bunch of isopods too, stuff like that. So I don't think it's... um. I think, like again, this goes back to the difficulty it is to get ants in, and of course, you know, me being me, I'd want the cool ants. And I, I can't get the cool ants, but yeah. so I, I do it. If it was a little bit easier, I'd definitely get into ants. I think it's one of those things, especially like with the tarantula, it's kind of messing me up now because once I get one, now I'm like, oh man, look at these blue bottled greens. Ooh, the Goliath bird eaters. Ooh, yeah. rose knees. Like it, it's one of those things. Like, oh no, this is gonna start becoming a thing now. Yeah, it's a new wormhole to go down. Isn't exactly. It? Yeah. Yeah, I'm completely the same. I'm, like I said, I got the scorpion. I'm now looking at other scorpions. I'm looking at yep. other stuff, yep. and there's never enough for me. I'm never. I, I don't think I'm ever going to be fully satisfied. I think it's, it's such an interesting thing, and it really only encompasses the exotic community. Where if we're yeah. talking about, you know, parrots, reptiles, inverts frogs and you know amphibians you just you never have just one you either have one two or 50 you know yeah. and it's a lot more like once you get one you want to have all of them it's almost like you know pokemon you want to collect and so i yeah. think that's the large amount where these collection idea come from yeah. because you don't want just one species these geckos these geckos have included completely <laughs> i was never i wasn't a big gecko guy until you know fairly recently i, I did a lot more other stuff but you know, it started with crested geckos. And I was like, oh, the gargoyles, you know, they're, they're looking pretty cool. Then it was, oh, look, check out these tokes. You know, my wife wanted one. I really like them. Let's start getting some more yeah. tokes. And I got 20 of them. Uh, you know what? The chihuahuas are looking pretty cool. Big, mossy-looking gecko. Let's get that. Oh, man, yeah. there's these really cool green geckos. Oh, look at these. Now now I've got, like, seven or eight different species of geckos. There's still, like, five or six or seven more that I'm looking at. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm exactly the same with ants. I've got 32 colonies at the yep. moment. And there's more that I want. And I'm like, right, well, if I put a shelf up on that wall and 
get rid of the fridge and replace that with more shelves, then we've got more space. And the missus won't let me. I don't know why. Yeah, that, that's uh, that, that's with me too. The, the kitchen is off limits. And I'm like, there's so much space. I had to give her, because I've started encompassing, you know, every room where like the living yeah. room's getting filled. I've got these two rooms. So she gets the, uh, um, it was almost like a sunroom. You know, it, it's that one I showed you with the frozen sliding door. That's her room. Yeah, it's yeah. a craft room. I'm not allowed to put reptiles in that room. <laughs> No, that's fair enough. Yeah, I've been banned from most of the house. I've got like the dining room, which I converted into like and slash gym slash office. And then I've got another room upstairs, but I'm not allowed to use the kids' bedrooms or the living room or I mean we've got space everywhere that I could no, use. Wouldn't the kids like to see the ants? I, I think I think there's some leeway right there. Yeah, I mean my my eldest doesn't like any insects doesn't she's, ah. just she's just grumpy to be honest she's at that she's, age where she doesn't like anything she's messing it up for you that's a clear win you just need the kids involved i think you need to start working your eldest and get her on board ants in the bedroom just like yeah. that yeah definitely so the the middle one already has an ant colony but it's in with mine but she's getting a second soon so hopefully i can say well we have no room in ours so it's gonna oh have to you'll have to make your own space oh you yeah, mind if i yeah. uh, put some stuff over here yeah that's it i just be like, well you got all this extra space now I'll, I'll build a really big shelf and just put one tiny ant colony on it like, well we got all this extra room i may as well fill it it just looks too empty we need it to look nice this is home yeah. decor at this point yeah yeah exactly we don't buy pillows and candles we buy new ant colonies exactly i i you know i always think about this every now and then it's like what do normal people do with money because whenever i get a big paycheck i'm like all right what enclosure can i make better what new reptile do i want people like they go out and like buy chairs and sofas i think that's fucking wild man yeah yeah i, I sit there i think what do normal people like do with their lives like if you don't have stuff to do all the time you know what i mean i couldn't sit there and watch telly for like four or five hours a day uh, yeah that's another thing you know you know what they're doing they're buying rugs that really tie the room together. Yeah, yeah that's it. That's it. I'd, I'd rather buy more ants or something else. Yeah. Um, do you ever have any issues whilst trying to keep your monitor lizards or any pets? Um, I don't think I've had very big issues. I've had um, escapees every now and then. I have stuff like the quince monitors are still pretty flighty. And so it's one of those, like, I open the cages, and all of a sudden a yellow thing dashes out, and then yeah. it's half an hour of looking for it. But as far as, like, issues with, um, like, husbandry or care, I haven't had too much of a problem with them as of right now. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. What would you say is the most dangerous one? Oh, the most dangerous? Hmm. I don't really have anything venomous, so that knocks that out. That's, again, main regulations. You can't own anything yeah. like that. But um, I guess the big Argus monitor. <laughs> the other day, I'm putting a, a larger water dish in for him. And he's got, yeah. like, you know, logs and sticks and branches. And um, he's pissed off because there's something new, and I'm going in. And he's like, so he's got his tail cocked back, ready to whip me. Yeah. And uh, one of the branches kind of, like, falls off another branch towards him. And he whips that thing so fast and hits me right in the head. I'm like, holy shit, man, that had some power to it. <laughs> so I, I guess, relatively speaking, I guess that would be like the most dangerous animal that I have here. But um, yeah, I don't think I, I, I guess it's a problem with me. I don't really have anything that's like crazy, crazy. Yeah, 
yeah, that's fair. So when they whip you with their tail, is it like, does it really hurt? Are they powerful with their tails? Obviously, they're big lizards, super strong, I would have thought. Um, my females don't hurt that much. And of course, they're, they're a lot smaller, they're only being like three feet. And females just, yeah. just stay physically smaller. They're a little bit more leaner. Um, so their tails don't hurt. But that male, man, I, I think that male can break some blood vessels if he really wanted yeah. to get me a whip. So the tail isn't anything to, um, you know, laugh at. Just be like, oh, it's just a tail. But the, the tail will hurt, especially when you're talking about stuff like, you know, if we're getting to like the bigger Asian water monitors or iguanas, like an iguana tail whip hurts, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So do they go through like tail whip, then scratch you, then bite you, that sort of process? Or do they just jump to bite you sometimes? Um, My tegu charges. The tegu, there's no okay. tail whipping. There's no scratching. My tegu, my tegu just will come out and charge you mouth open. But um, the Argus monitors, I don't know. I guess if I like pressed it, I never press it. That, that's the thing. Like uh, even yeah. when their tail is starting, when they when they start huffing, their tails cocked back. I know yeah. that animal's uncomfortable. I need to step away. Then the reason in that situation with the male is because I, I needed to put that water dish in there, and it would have taken me hours to you know like here's the water dish. You know, it's not scary. I'm just gonna put the dish in and call it a day. Yeah. But yeah. for the most part, you know, I that tail whip was actually the first I've had in a while, just because I'm not very invasive with my monitor lizards, where I'm not trying to you know go and hold them and cuddle them and pet them you know i, I respect the animal if the animal doesn't yeah. want me to touch it i'm not going to touch it i'll view it from afar yeah. and i'm completely satisfied with just doing that yeah that's fair um i'm exactly the same i don't handle any of my pets like there is some which i could handle i i just don't because like i say i just respect them too much as my pets i don't want to take them out of their environment and disturb them for my own pleasure there's no real point to it I, I think the real issue has become as this community becomes more popularized with society, um, a lot of the same ideology when it comes to the more furry animal keeping, so dogs, cats, things like that, we seem to be pressing those same that same ideology onto reptiles, just maybe even just subconsciously, where people like your reptiles, should, your gecko should be friendly and you should be able to hold them. You know that should be the. Um, the goal to make a, a friendly gecko when in my reality and you know what i've been doing is uh, that's just not me I, I don't need to hold every single one of my animals i don't need it to sit on my shoulder for hours at a time and be chill with it i'm perfectly content with watching them hand feeding them and just watching those naturalistic uh characteristics come out with them that's really why i keep reptiles and what i enjoy about them it's not being able to hold my big lizard it's just that not that guy yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. I The best thing for me is watching them in that kind of natural environment. Although I've set it up myself, um, it's still that bioactive. It's what they should be in. And to me, that's like, that's their perfect life, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. um, I much prefer to, like with my massive um, tank that I've got next to me, I prefer to see the way they all kind of mingle together and you've got, everything that should be there if you know what i mean uh the crabs are from the same sort of areas the ants and things like that it it's how it should be if you know what i mean exactly yeah i think the reptile community it the reptile community is such a weird jumble and i really i think we should take our base principles a lot more from like the fish community you see how the fish communities do obviously you're not petting fish you don't want to pet yeah. fish I, I guess koi is are a little bit more personal i don't know much about the fish mean but what i can tell you is that you know, people in the reptile community, they'll buy a very expensive lizard, right? And then the next step is how cheaply can I house this animal, yes. right? Yeah. 
Yes. You know, does it need that UVB? Does it need the, and I was this way for a while where, you know, I was putting my Toki geckos in plastic tubs and using ambient heating in order to heat. It was the cheapest, most cost-effective way to heat these animals. And over a while, especially through the end of um, last year, I've really started realizing that it's not the right way to do it. And I'm going to get a lot better experience and productivity from the animals if I'm doing right by them. So with the fish community, you're looking at stuff like people will buy a $10 um, tiger barb, right? And they'll house it in this massive, you know, they'll spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on filtration, oxidizing the water, making sure the water is good, this giant tank, decor, real plants, things like that for this $30, you know, little barb that people don't think twice about. And I think that's something we should really use as inspiration in the reptile community. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good way of looking at it. Like you say, they they really care for their pets and give them like these amazing environments. I've been getting really into my fish tanks lately and some of the stuff that they do for them is like absolutely insane. I couldn't even do it myself. It's bonkers, but yeah, fish people are crazy. I mean, and it's not, you know, like obviously this plant's not looking too good. I I don't have a green thumb, but this is like $20 (laughs) at Home Depot. And the geckos absolutely love it. Every day I see them, they, they love to hang on the big broad leaves and stuff like that. And it's like yeah. 20 bucks. You can just put that in there. Uh, I'll probably need to replace mine quite frequently. But $20 a month to make some geckos happy is yeah. uh, a price I'm willing to pay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that the one I saw in your video that just like breeds really well? And you can find it in like, like you say, Home Depot and everywhere like that. No, Pothos. I don't, I don't, don't know. That's it. I don't have any pothos in here. It's in my, um, it's in my, I put all my like really nice enclosures, my display ones in the living room to look at, but yeah, pothos, man, you can't kill pothos. I, I actually, I moved the white tree frog is in here for the winter. Cause it's just, it's a little too chilly out there. It's around like in the sixties yeah. and I want him to be a little bit warmer. So I put him in here, but um, I didn't water that pothos enclosure for like weeks maybe five weeks. So it's like bone dry. And the pothos looks absolutely fantastic. So I just poured some water in there. Good to go. You can't kill that thing. I don't know what I'm doing wrong with this. This is like a week or two and it's already like dying. I'm like, I'm watering you. You have a plant light. Like what more could you possibly want? So- yeah. 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 That's it. Um, what is the difference between UV and UVB? Um, like UVA and UVB? Yeah. What? Whatever. So I can't, I, I'm not a scientist. I can't really get into the, um, I can't get into the science of what it is. Uh, what, what I can tell you in like the most like Neanderthal way of what I know is. Yeah, um, I, I literally know nothing about it, to be honest. So whatever you know is. Like, um, so UVA is, you're most likely you're going to see like UVA rays from like basking bulbs. So like this light right here, anything that has um, like a color temperature light shines UVA rays. And well, UVA is kind of important for reptiles. It's more important over the like uh, physiological side. So the psychology, the mental health of the animal, instead of keeping them in like a dimly lit enclosure for 24 hours, this way they're able to recognize what a day and night cycle is uh, for the monitor lizards. You know, that UVA rays is going to emulate, you know, this is where the heat is and they're going to go to that area. Things like that where UVB, and again, I'm not good at understanding the science of UVB, but from what I can gather, um, UVB rays are, the animal takes the rays in and it's able to synchronize the D3 it gets, or synchronize its own D3 from calcium. So things like uh, if you're feeding whole rodents, they're able to break down that calcium into the vitamin D3, which they yeah. need to prevent things like metabolic bone disease, things like that. So when you take an animal out of UVB, it's unable to synchronize 
and produce that D3 if you're not uh, artificially supplementing it with the little, you know, powders. So yeah. that's from what I can gather. It probably didn't make much sense, but I don't know right. too much. All I know is UVB equals good, and I buy yeah. it. <laughs> yes, that was what I was going to say next. So you recommend UVB if you're keeping reptiles? Um, I do. I'm actually a big advocate for UVB now, and I wasn't before because they're a big pain in the ass. But um, so my Toki geckos are a great example. I did not house my in the very beginning. I only had a couple of pairs of Toki geckos, like maybe I think two pairs probably, yeah. and they both had UVB just because I had UVB lights laying around. I had a great year with them. I probably had um i think 10 to 12 tokes just from those two pairs then i started ramping stuff up i'm like well uvb is just not cost efficient you know the geckos don't really need it they're nocturnal so i'm going to do without it and then that year and um that year 2020 i had an awful year i don't think i think i got like one gecko and then last year 2021 again awful year i think we got a total of five babies from one two three four parents four girls wow so this year, I'm like, you know what? I'm going back to my roots. I brought them back in here. They all have UVB lighting, the best that I can give them. You know, the Zoomed T5s. I guess Arcadia would be a little bit better, but over here, Zoomed's just a lot more readily available. So they've got the T5 high output UVB. I've already noticed that the size of the Toki Gecko is getting a lot larger. I, I see okay. these other people that I can only assume are um, using UVB, and their, their Tokis are massive. They're units. Yeah. But mine always stay kind of small. And I've noticed even within, I believe I've had them probably five, six weeks under UVB now. Um, they're a lot bigger. They're, they're getting a lot bigger size. And so what I can gather from that is bigger size. They'll be able to produce more eggs. Because a big problem yeah. I was having was crashing with the females. They'd lay like one clutch and then they crash. And I have to remove them. And then I have to, you know, supplement with um, calcium, making sure they're all good. Repti boost, getting them back up to size so they don't, you know, perish on me. But yeah, so UVB, absolutely phenomenal. So far, we've got it for all of our tokes, our chihuahuas, our day geckos, our standing eye, uh, our crimson line of day geckos. I want us to take that a step further and start utilizing it for our gargoyles. We're getting uh, another pair here in a couple of months. So we'll have uh, four or five gargoyles. I want them all under UVB and stuff like that. Pretty much everything in this room except uh, crested geckos. I'm sorry, crested geckos. I'm, I, I have too many crested geckos. That just would be a little silly. They're producing for me fine without it. Their uh, little crested gecko diet provides all the um, calcium and D3 that they need to supplement themselves with. But other than that, I want everything in this room to have UVB. And I just want to see what the product production line of yeah. eggs comes from that. So. Yeah. No, that's really interesting, actually, that you've noticed those differences. Uh, it will definitely be something that I'm going to keep track of as well because... You know, it might make a difference to the ants as well. You never know. That'd be, uh, yeah, that'd be an interesting exper experiment. I'd like to see that. Yeah. Um, one thing I did find out through research once is I think, right, so they can't see red light very well and they think they're in the dark. I think they, in green light, they show high activity and in blue light, low activity, something like that. That's I interesting. can't really remember, but it is, yeah, it was really interesting that the different spectrums would have different um, effects. Yeah, on it's funny to think that different animals see different wavelengths than we do. Yeah, yeah, it, like most things don't see red, and that's what I do. After 11 o'clock, everything goes red in my house, mm -hmm. and it's like a, a brothel, to be honest. I'm waiting for a knock on the door. <laughs> yeah, someone's going to, like, knock on, and I'm just going to be like, no. You can see some ants, but I ain't giving you that. You can see some ants. <laughs> so, yeah, at 11 o'clock, everything goes red, and then I can see everything that's going on, and they can't see me, so that's pretty awesome. 
That's pretty rad. Yeah, it's the opposite for reptiles. They actually see the infrared lights a lot better. They see that wavelength a lot better than us humans. So it's why a lot of people don't like using red lights. I don't use them too often. Actually, I only use the thing with red lights. I don't know what it is. I don't know what they're doing with them. They last forever. Yes. These basking bulbs, these par 38 floods, two weeks, three weeks, done. Seven bucks a bulb. I've got, you know, 20, 30, 40 bulbs. It's a lot of money, but these red lights go on forever. It's nuts. So I always have some red lights as a backup when the bulbs eventually do burn out. Like uh, actually with the big lizard, I needed to make a trip to Home Depot. But having that red light is better than not having any sort of heat. He only has one heat. You know, it's a four foot lizard with a basking spot that's this big. Yeah. You want to make sure you have those bulbs so we can uh, get that proper um, temperature gradient. Yeah, that's fair. So you say when they're basking, do they tend to just stay in one spot for most of the day or do they are they quite active is what I mean to say? Uh, monitor lizards are quite active. And if you do have a monitor lizard that's basking most of the day, it means your basking temps are too off. The only reason, and this goes for most lizards, actually, um, animals don't bask all day, right? Basking is to get their core temperature up to that optimal point and they run off and they're foraging, hunting, things of that yeah. nature, getting the other needs filled. So a lot of people, you know, they, it's, this is super prevalent with bearded dragons. You know, they say bearded dragons are like the most lazy lizard, blah, blah, blah. And they just, you know, sit in one spot all day. But I yeah. do not see that with my beardies. My beardies are on full bioactive um, substrate. They've got plenty of dirt to dig, have those enrichment activities done, and a very high basking spot. I believe I have my beardies set at around 115 degrees to 120, right. which is about... 20 degrees more than what your average care guide says about them. Yeah. And what I've noticed with that is my beauty is a lot more active. He basks for about 20, 30 minutes in the morning. He'll yeah. go, he has climbing opportunities. The enclosure's two feet high. So I've built like this little background with little cliffs that he can climb up nice. on, chill. Yeah. So he's up there, he's digging, he's running around and then back on the basking spot for 10, 20 minutes and then back doing what he's doing. And that really should be what we're providing with them. And you're going to have a lot less problems medically speaking with stuff like impaction when they're not able to heat themselves at that right spot. It shouldn't take, you know, two, three, four hours for an animal to heat to that core temperature that it lights. It really should only take a couple of minutes like they're doing in the wild. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so you mentioned, uh, I had never say this, like metabolic bone disease. Earlier. Yeah. MBD is the, uh, yeah. the is that something term. that spread throughout or like the larger lizards as well. I know it's common within bearded dragons. I just want to see sort of the range of it. Yeah, it can be common. I, I think it's pretty common in... Um, I think when you get to monitor lizards, it's not going to be as common just because when you're getting a monitor lizard, you probably know what you're doing at that point if you're doing yeah. it right. You know, you, you know what hu reptile husbandry is, what the vitamins you need, stuff like that. But you see a lot of it in um, Savannah Monitors and Niles, the $20 junk monitor lizards you know that you can find anywhere in an expo for 15 bucks someone will give it to you free if he really wants to get rid of the thing yeah. that's where you get the people that are like oh i want a six foot lizard for 20 dollars." they don't take care of it right they're not supplementing with that d3 or utilizing uvb anything of that nature and yeah you're gonna have the bones mess up because without that calcium and d3 vitamin to help grow and it's especially prevalent in um, baby reptiles. If you're not supplementing yeah. that properly, you're going to have bones all messed up. The jaw is going to go very soft and almost has what they call um, rubber jaw with monitor lizards, where it's actually malleable. Like, you know, your, our jaw is yeah. a strong yeah. bone, but you can actually, it becomes almost like rubber and it's harder to chew. Their teeth start yeah. falling out, everything like oh. that. 
Well, okay. Well, I didn't know it did all of that. I knew it obviously made them slightly deformed and can make it hard for them to walk and stuff. But I'd never heard of the jaw before. That's yeah, yeah, the jaw. It's it's almost like the um, if you let it get worse, the progression of it. If you're yeah, not yeah, doing the right thing over and over, because what's happening is they're just there's not any um calcium to really harden yeah. that, so it's using what it can, but it's just not enough to support it. Wow, I, I could you imagine having that yourself where it just Ghost. It'd be a little weird. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that. Um, yeah. Crocodilians and like gators, they get stuff that's called uh, glass teeth that they don't have enough calcium where their teeth almost become um, like transparent and they're very brittle and they break easily. Wow, I did not know that at all. That's pretty, well, it's not cool at all, but it's quite interesting, I suppose. It's cool stuff. Yeah, it's like cool and like, I don't know, a scientist standpoint, not like for yeah. the animal. It's awful yeah. for the animal. Yeah. Um. So, there's two questions that I'm going to try and word together. Are your dragon uh, monitor lizards, Argus lizards, um, captive bred? And is there a massive trade for captive bred, or do they come from the wild? Uh, so for Argus monitors, 90%, because um, Argus monitors being an Australian monitor, you, you can't get anything from Australia anymore. Even like yeah. bearded dragons. What bearded dragons we have, they're the most popular pet, but from my knowledge, at least, I could be wrong about this. I don't think there's any importation coming from Australia anymore. So everything you're going to find is going to be captive bred when it comes to Argus monitors, which is something I really liked about them. Uh, all of mine are captive. Sorry, my back. I, I've got such bad back issues for a couple of months now. Um Everything you're going to find is going to be generationally captive bred. So like um, one of my females from Joe Castellan, I believe she's third generation captive bred. I have a female that's second generation captive bred. And I'm not too sure about the male. The male was an expo buy. Um, I probably ring up the uh, I know, actually there's a pet front or a pet store front that that place has actually pretty close to me. I might give them a ring and figure out what generation it is. So it's always awesome. So especially with Argus monitors, it's not about if it's captive bred or not. It, it's about... Uh, what generation is because as we get further in captive breeding it seems that the animals calm down a lot more and yeah. they're a lot more susceptible to um uh, socialization and just being a lot more comfortable with humans themselves yeah that's fair that's that's something i think i've noticed in ants as well they a lot of colonies are coming from captive bread as well uh, um now um not just from the nuptial flight and i think like some of the colonies like ghost ants and things like that do bud in and you can literally just take a queen and a few workers and split off a colony from that and i think over the generations they do become more tame i know that's silly to say even with ants but i do think that that you can like you can put the food in and they don't go as crazy as a few generations before mm -hmm. it's definitely something i've noticed in a few of my colonies but then i've got some colonies which will attack me no matter what <laughs> It's just the way it is with ants. Sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. Um, I'm starting to run out of questions on my sheet. So if anyone has any questions in the chat at the moment, please send them in now. Would you say that they're overbred, the Argus monitors? And you know what I mean. 
Um, as far as Ari's monikers go, I do not. They seem to be a lot more popular, which is funny because after talking, Joe Caston is really like my source of uh, Argus monitor stuff. He's been doing it for a long time. He's got a lot of stuff going on and he's been doing, I, I want to say like 15, 20 years. Wow. And when he first started, the Argus monitor again was that junkyard animal, right? Like you can't breed Argus monitors. They're awful little things. You'll never be able to breed them. And now it seems one of the more readily available um, captive bred sources but that's not to say that they're overbred where you have more supply than you have demand of them in fact i've seen from joe he's actually starting to increase his prices with his argus monitors so back in around um i'd say 20 2000 2010 uh argus monitors were very there it's one of those things they started going up so the prices of yeah. the monitors started going up there about a 1200 eight twelve hundred dollar uh, monitor lizard then a lot of people started doing it it crashed you could get an argus monitor for around 200 bucks but oh, wow. it seems the trend's starting to go back where people are like there's too many argus monitors i'm getting yeah. out of it and the people that decided to stick through with it now you're getting an animal that's around six seven hundred dollars a lizard so it seems back then around 2010 it did seem they're a little bit more overbred because people figured out how to do it when you whenever yeah. Anyone figures out how to do something, everyone's got to do it. But yeah. it seems we're back with the people that really have a passion for the animal and that price is finally able to reflect it. Because I don't, the amount of work it takes to produce any monitor lizard, it's not worth 200 bucks a lizard. I honestly, yeah. Yeah. I'm in the mindset that every monitor lizard, $800 and up. I don't care what it is. If you're getting an animal this intelligent with this kind of experience, it's yeah. worth that amount of money. And the amount of time and effort it takes to produce these animals, I just can't see listing them anything less than that <laughs> yeah yeah that's completely fair the, like you say the time and effort and love that you've put into that animal to bring it up yeah definitely worth a lot of money i don't really know dollar to pound conversions but it's a lot of money it's a lot of money i and especially with the monitors i grow such a passion for them uh my mail that i got from joe was supposed to be a female but when they're that young it's hard to tell even the, yeah. the guys i mean you know doing this 15 years you can't always get it right. So he wanted to swap me. He's like, I got a nice, cause I already bought a female to make a pair. Right. And so he's like, you know, I'll swap the girl out with the male and you'll be good to go. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then I, I sat on it because it's winter time. I, I can't ship her even if I wanted to, but I yeah. thought about it. I was like, I cannot part with this lizard. I can't do it. I've been raising her for a year and a half now. I cannot. And it was, it was one of those things like I can swap them. And then once you move, you, you can buy the lizard back from me and yeah. then you can have her again. I'm like, I can't go a year without this lizard. <laughs> so I, yeah. I went to the XY. There happened to be a male. I was like, I'm going to do this instead. I just, I, I can't be apart from that lizard for that long. And I, I grow such an attachment and affinity for these things. Yeah, that's fair. I couldn't, I, I've never left my aunts. I, I probably would feel really weird if someone else had to look after them. I know that's silly, but. Oh, it's really awful. I had someone, I went to, a, uh, my wife's parents live in North Carolina. So we went over there for a little bit and I had someone to care of them for like three days. And yeah. They did an awful job. Everything was yeah. shit. Everything like the enclosures were flooded with water. I'm like, how do you do this? You did. Not only did you mess shit up, you did more work for yourself. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know why the fuck you did it like this. I've had people where I've taken trips and the people who said they're going to come. And then like on day two, it's like, hey, I'm not coming anymore. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean you're not yeah. coming anymore? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not home. I'm 2000 miles away. Yeah, so it, and, it's hard. It's hard finding the um the right people for the job. Yeah, yeah, and you can almost guarantee that'll be when something decides to escape or break or you know something will go wrong as well. 
Oh, I got a funny story. We did have some, this was back when I was doing ball pythons. We did have a couple of baby ball pythons escape. The, yeah. um, the backing of the rack, I, I didn't secure it properly because I didn't have a drill on me. So right. if you like push it too back, I forgot to tell them about it. It's not a big deal. If you push it too back, the wall pops out and the snakes can go out. So right. I was like, oh, I guess we'll, we got to go look for these ball pythons now. I couldn't find, I think I, one of them I couldn't find out of the seven. And I go to do the birds in the morning and oh, there he no. is. He's on top of the bird, like slink. I mean, the bird cage is large. It's it's yeah. taller than I am. So it's probably six foot, six and a half feet, maybe. And so the animal, the snake is like four feet in the air, wrapped around next to the food bowl. And I'm like, how did you do this? You're two <laughs> rooms away. You had to slither out of this room, through the hallway, into the living room, into the bird, up into the, I don't even know how he got into the bird cage. It's levitated. It's on like little wheels. So he had to like climb yeah. up. Then climb up the cage. <laughs> hey, again, we're talking about a snake. I, I don't know, maybe 50 right. grams, maybe. I mean, we're talking about like a week or two hatched out of the egg, yeah. did all yeah. this. It was incredible. Oh, wow. That is incredible. When it comes to the snakes, do you, I, I don't know the term for it, but when they cut the eggs to see what's inside? Um, yeah, so I don't, actually, I don't work with snakes anymore. I did ball pythons for a year. Yeah. Um, thought I'd be really into it. I produced a couple of clutches, and I just wasn't that into it. I wasn't as crazy about it. I didn't have the passion. So I, it's when I made this transition from the, well, there used to be like a giant rack system right here, and there are a couple more racks everywhere. Uh, it's when I made that transition from that to doing all geckos. I'm, I'm having a much better time with it. But yeah, um, yeah I did do egg cutting. Um I think I, I did it more. There's like a health reason behind it because a lot of, or not a lot of times, but there is a chance that you have this baby. Like uh, for, all snakes have what's called an egg tooth on their um, right. right here yeah. on the cleft. So they use that to cut the egg open and yeah. pip out and they slither out. Right. Well, there's chances that the egg tooth breaks or the animal is tangled on its umbilical cord and it strangles it, things of that nature where they just don't make it. And when you're talking about ball pythons, of course, ball pythons being, you know, the biggest business thing there is. We're, we're talking about snakes that are potentially worth thousands to tens of thousands yeah. of dollars. If you have something as silly as its egg tooth broke or yeah. it got caught on its umbilical cord and it dies, you know, you're going to beat yourself up for that. Right. If you're, going for the world's first or this five gene, you know, $3,000 snake, uh, you want to make sure that snake's okay. So usually people cut like days before, usually they'll, they'll yeah. pip on day 55 and um, people hatch cut around like 50 to 53. Um, I cut whenever I saw the first pip or when I started witnessing pipping, there was be, there would be yeah. like a little bump on the egg. I'm like, okay, I'm going to cut. And I noticed, I did notice health benefits. There was one animal that pipped and it actually, I guess I didn't have the uh, incubator medium humidified enough. It wasn't, there wasn't a lot of uh, wetness, I guess. It's yeah. <laughs> not the right term, but the one that comes to mind. Uh, actually <laughs> the yolk solidified so fast that it wow. almost like wrapped, the animal wasn't able to get out. So I had to cut it open and kind of like get it out and then yep. soak yeah. it because all that yolk just dried and kind of like almost cemented himself onto wow. the egg. So it's stuff like that where egg cutting becomes a little bit better. So yeah. you avoid things like that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. It's something I've never known anything about why they do it, but I've seen it quite a lot and it just kind of confused me. But that makes a lot of sense. Like yeah, say, it used to have a very big, um, it was a big taboo in the ball python world. I don't know why. I think maybe people were cutting wicked early and that was it. 
I really don't. I think the big issue was when we're talking about, um, and this goes to like the physiological side of like survival of the fittest, right? So yeah. we're having these genetic animals that if the animal's egg tooth did break, then genetically it's not that strong of an animal, right? Yeah. And now we're doing is we're playing God and every animal yeah. decides to live and we're not letting evolution take its place. So now we're systematically breeding these generational quirks and, um, just not good stuff. You know, it's not the best yeah. animal being bred. It's the prettiest animal. And yeah. from that side, I can kind of see it, but it seems as years go on, it's become a lot more of an acceptable practice. Okay. That's fair enough. Do you find that because there's a lot of inbreeding within the practices that there is health issues? This is something I've actually just started thinking about. So obviously do you watch a uh, new England reptile, Kevin McCurley? No, I don't. Oh my God. Well, I, I, you're from the UK. That's, <laughs> I forgot. There's always that. Um, kind of, so Kevin McCurley, New England reptile. Um, he had the world's first wide-eyed leucistic king cobra, right? right and cool. it's um, evidently it passed, right? And so they did an autopsy or uh, sorry, a necropsy on it. And they yeah. found um, crystallized urate. So stuff from like, uh, it's almost the progression of like gout, right? They're finding these crystallized urates throughout its system and its heart, its lungs, things of that. And um, they seem to find that, like, it could be, like, tied to this genetic mutation, this blue-eyed leucism, right? That this genetic has a, a deficit of these urates crystallizing, right? It's more um, prone to it. So that's when you kind of start thinking of, like, because everyone says with reptiles, you know, you can breed three, four generations in with zero consequence. But is it zero consequence, is right? It? Yeah. Reptiles, it. they're so... Uh, hardy and they're so like not prone to showing their illnesses or showing when something's wrong and when stuff does go wrong you know we just chalk it up to maybe it's a husbandry thing or we don't know what happened but could it be because we're inbreeding these things we don't know what's going on maybe you know this gecko that you bred has a smaller liver or a weaker heart and now you're generationally line breeding that trait further and further so it's something that i've started really thinking about i just saw and i won't name this person i don't want any of that but i just this guy um his animal got gout recently and yeah. i was really stumped at that because i know that this this guy cares he only has like a couple of reptiles right and he cares for his reptiles way better than i do i mean we're talking like 100 precise to the t care and he's like my three-year-old reptile has gout i'm like how the fuck does your reptile yeah. have gout that makes zero sense yeah. there's no way what you're doing gout is gout and reptiles for this species is like him feeding it beef every day for years and years. And maybe when it's seven, it has gout, right? Exactly. It's not this. So I, the only thing I can chalk it up to is maybe it is that generational thing. It's like a genetic yeah. work in that animal. Yeah. I mean, it would make complete sense. Obviously with humans, if we inbreed, we become a bit deformed. Wonky. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it, it would make sense. I, I, I think it happens in most animals really. I don't know about fish could happen in fish no i don't know about fish but i know i think it does happen in most animals because that's why they have that like natural want to leave the nest and whatnot and find a mate elsewhere isn't it yeah it's a bit it, it, it's a bit strange and there's a lot of stuff going on um like uh palmetto corn snakes is a great example palmetto corn snakes they have a deficit of having what's called bug eyes and right. it's, uh, uh speaking of fish you know goldfish the bubble eyes right yeah they have these huge eyes and um 
it's kind of the same thing with the palmettos and people are just like they're just okay with it right and they yeah. just keep breeding it and it's just it's so strange and from looking at the outside in and we can talk about this with a lot of mutation you know spider things like that that up yeah. to really recently you know i've had nothing but positive feedback to say but as i start looking more into what you're saying is maybe there is there more stuff going on that we don't know about yeah the easy answer of that is it's breeding it's eating, it's living, it's fine, right? Yeah. But is there more that going on that we don't know? And that's yeah. really something that I think we should look a lot more into. And that's not going to happen until the exotic community, specifically the reptile community, gets more funding for these kinds of experiments and just getting a lot more information shown to light. Because as the reptile community, we're such a short lived thing, only happening in, I believe, like the 70s, 60s, 70s is when we first started. You know, right. going from that yeah. to this, we've expanded so much, but there's still so much we don't know about with these animals. Yeah, yeah. I think the same for ants, really. Um, it's only really been taken off the last 10, maybe 15 years in the hobby. It's not been a massive thing. And when it was bigger, like when it started, all the information coming out was wrong. So like you say, it's, it's like a progression. We're all still learning what to actually do for these colonies, what's best. Exactly. And we're, how, how are you going to get a grant to study ants, right? To study this lizard. It's such yeah. a, it's a hard ask, but it's really what needs to be done in order for us yeah. to really progress as a hobby. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the uh, only way to do that is if we get lots and lots of subscribers and Patreon supporters and stuff. Mm -hmm. If I get 100K, I'll start doing my own grants. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so have you got any advice for someone looking to get into keeping exotic pets? Um, I think my biggest advice is proper research, not just watching a YouTube video, <laughs> maybe watching a few, looking at some documents. The best, the best way to do it is getting it from the, um, the horse's mouth. I think that's the proper, yeah. um, saying with that, you know, you can watch all these YouTube videos, but at the end of the day, you're talking about the care of an animal that lives for 20 years, right? 10, yeah. 20 20 years, sometimes more if we're talking about tortoises, and you're only taking that 10 to 12 minutes. And us as YouTubers, we only have that 10 to 12 minutes yeah. really to explain the care. So going to the actual breeder, you know, the source, who are you going to buy it from and asking them those questions, not only will help source out who to buy from. Um, if anyone's ever interested in my animals, I mean, I, I've taken literally an hour of my day answering people's every un undivided question that they have about this just to make sure not only is they have the proper information but the animals that are going away from me have the proper home right yeah. so if you're finding people with that and they're really being short with you they're not answering your questions that's not the right guy to go to you want to go to the guy that cares about his animals enough to give them give you the proper care and it's a lot of things that I have a lot of ideas with that thing as well. If you're getting like your first reptile and thinking about uh, maybe chalking up the basic care that I give my reptiles. So like for crested geckos, you know, they're fed the diet uh, three yeah. days a week. They've been kept in this temperature, this size enclosure, yeah. this humidity, and just kind of typing that up as a general care guide. So when people open the box for their reptile, you know, they've got the bare instructions or basically the basic care, you know, what I've been doing yeah. with this animal and how they can em emulate that going forward to have the best possible uh, giving them more utilized to that house versus where they were originally. Yeah, no, that's really good, actually. It's something I do. Whenever I get a new ant colony, I will email them and say, can you let me know when they were last fed, what they were fed, 
what I need to do next on the sort of schedule so I can not disrupt them, if you know what I mean. I can just carry on where you left off. I think that's pretty much the best way to go about it. And like you say, lots of research. Research is going to be the most important thing. You don't, and when I first started this, when I first got my bearded dragon, you know, I put it in sand and, uh, uh, then I read on Google that sand was bad. So then yeah. it wasn't on sand. Then I realized that was not right. So I put it back on a sand soil mix, this and that. Uh, you, you don't want to do that to the animal. It's going to stress the animal out, you know, these constant switches. You want to have the information, know how to care for it. Realize, you know, what's the false information? What's the good info out there? What are the myths? What are what's doing right for the animal? And just having that all going forward before having to make these tweaks and if things, you know, making sure that everything's right with the animal when you already have the info, you already got the cage set up. Cage set up is another big thing, you know, fish taken again from the fish community. They have their yeah. tanks set up for what, a week, two weeks yeah. before even getting the animal, making sure everything is pristine. Then they get the animal. I think we yeah. should do that too with our tanks. Get the tanks, see what the temperature is like. Is the basting spot right? Do you have your ambient humidity right? Get that set up and get it going. Make sure everything's good and get the animal. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really good, actually. I have tried to do that with most of my tanks. I leave them for like a week or so if I can, just to, like you say, make sure everything's right, make sure it's the right temperature. Uh, yeah, so my, some ant colonies can be really sensitive. I'm lucky because I haven't really gone for those ones. But mm -hmm. say like the honey pots or leaf cutters, the leaf cutters, if the temperature's wrong, all the fungus will die and they'll die off like really, really fast. Yeah, so it, yeah, it is something that we, I would advocate for in ant keeping hobby as well is make sure you get your enclosures right. You know, it's it's a simple thing. You got to do it either way. You know, so yeah. just get it done. Especially then you can have some fun with it. You know, bioactive like we were stating. Yeah. You yeah. get that I mean, microfauna set up, that beneficial bacteria going. Your cleanup crew going. The isopod springtails are already breeding. Yeah. Your plants are already rooted in, and they're well. Uh, set up i'm, I'm blanking on the word yeah. established yes they're well established and they're already starting to grow then put the animal in there yeah, yeah by the time you know you still got something cool to look at it's awesome watching little isopods run through the leaf litter things like that yeah it is yeah yeah i mean literally in the last couple of weeks i've had exactly that uh two of my colonies they haven't been right in their sort of environment and i worked it out that it's just not humid enough for them it's not holding the humidity so i've Literally on the day I um, got the enclosures, I made them bioactive and whatnot, completely changed everything, gave it a couple of days, moved them in. And yeah, it's it makes a big difference getting the right enclosure for them because what they were in before was a good enclosure. It's not a bad one, but it wasn't suited to that colony. It could always be better, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's another great point is you can always do better for the animal. You can always improve yeah. something. You should never set it up, leave it. It's good enough. You know, we're always evolving stuff. I, I never say anything is its final enclosure. You know, everything's temporary. The Argus monitors are a great example. You know, they're not going to be set up in those enclosures next year. They're yeah. going to be outdoor. They're going to be in 10 foot by 10 foot by six right. foot giant outdoor build stuff like that. You can always give something bigger and better space. Yeah. Can the Argus monitors, uh, cohabit can they live together or do they have to be individuals uh i haven't had luck with cohabbing i cohabbed my females before and um 
it's just a, a classic case of dominance. One got bigger than the other. One was a little bit older too. I believe one was uh, 10 or 11 months. The other was seven or eight. So oh, yeah. it had a little bit larger. And so it kind of went after the basting a lot more. It got more food than the other one. It, it's just not that great of an idea. Um, I, I've tried the male and female thing. I'm, I'm going to do it again now that the male's a little bit more established inside. His homie's a little bit more comfortable. But yeah. um Stuff can go wrong. I mean, I, I was wa even watching those guys. I watched them for like 45 minutes of my day, just sitting there watching them. And uh, the female was getting a little bit too pushy. She was nudging him, trying to get him to breed. He didn't want to. And he gave, <laughs> gave her a little snap. Luckily, she's smaller, more agile, so she can just run away. But yeah. that's one of those things. You know, if I wasn't there, what would happen? I actually had a point with my females. And this is the point where I've separated them. I haven't looked back was I heard ruckus when I walked into my building. I heard a lot of yeah. look in the enclosure and one girl's got the other girl pinned by the neck. Right. And I'm like, oh, okay, we are done cohabbing. It's one of those things. They were yeah. fine the night before. There was yeah. no big problem. And then one day, one morning, I walked into the building and one's got one by the throat. Luckily, no, there was no injury. The neck the uh, bite wasn't too hard. So there was no yeah. uh, bleeding or anything like that. It was pretty superficial, but it definitely a scare watching one of your lizards have the other yeah. lizard pinned. So when yeah, it comes yeah. to monitor lizards, don't cohab. It's one of those things where it could work out, could work out for a long time. There's going to be a day where it's not going to work out. And if that day happens to be when they're three, four, five foot, I hope you have a backup enclosure ready because if you don't, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Could you imagine that um, that sort of situation would make them turn on you faster? What do you mean? Like if they're cohabiting and they're sort of in that aggressive state anyways, would you feel more intimidated about going into that enclosure? Oh, yeah, yeah. We can take uh, Tom Crutchfield down in Florida with his crocodile monitors. He had a crocodile monitor fight. Um, not that too. It's probably been a couple months at this point, but he... He always had, he's prepared, you know, he's got the nets and we're talking about, you know, uh, monitor lizards that are eight, nine, 10 feet long, right? With these massive, massive teeth. The teeth are so big, actually, they're actually prone to uh, mouth infection due to the fact that uh, they're so big that they'll cut the, their entire mouth. So when you have something like that, you know, he's trying to get them off of each other, gets a bite. I mean, his whole hand was casted and the monitor wasn't trying to bite Tom, you know, it was yeah. just trying to get that animal because they were fighting. It's in that state of frenzy, right? That fight or flight yeah. response. So yeah, yeah there is yeah. definitely a lot more of an increased risk of getting that bite or getting something like that. Uh, I always got some nice um, thick gloves. And so luckily they weren't very big at that point. I think two, two and a half, maybe inching three. And so it's just grab, separate, you know, grab the mm -hmm. one by the neck. It'll freak out because it wants to get free. So it let go. And then I grab the baby and make sure, or not the baby, but the um, the other one and make sure that it's okay. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't want to do it. I'm just going to say I wouldn't want to be the one. It's a bit, it's a bit intimidating. It wasn't even that those, again, they weren't that big. I couldn't imagine like being in Tom's shoes when you have these massive, massive yeah. lizards that you know the power and the damage that they can do and having to go in there and separate that. Yeah, I could do that. It's not my cup of tea. Um, so we've got a couple of questions here from the comments. How much do your Argus lizards or Argus monitors? I always say that wrong. I'm, just blame it on me being me because I, I always get things wrong. Uh, how much do they weigh? Um, I don't know. I, I haven't really weighed them enough. <laughs> 
<laughs> I have a, if you, I actually, I don't know if I posted the picture yet, but um, I have one with the male and it was, it was two handed project just cause he's yeah. so big and heavy, but uh, the females I'd put probably around like 10, 12 pounds and the male I put probably 15 plus. Okay. So fairly heavy. Yeah. Quite large, substantial, we should say. Yeah, you can get anywhere. I mean, like a well-fed, uh, thinking back, that male is probably somewhere around the 20 because you can get them anywhere from like 20 to 30 pounds at that full adult size. Okay, well, that is a lot bigger. Um, Do you build your enclosures or do you buy them like set up? Um, so I don't build anything at this point. And again, this is just because this move, I don't want to build a wooden enclosure and then break it down, you know, four, six, eight months later and yeah. move it with me. So right now, everything, you know, I do the grow tent method. I know people have their opinion about it. It's worked out for me. I've been doing yeah. it for years. I've had literally zero problems with doing it. But again, that's just a temporary thing. Like I stated, you know, once we move, the first thing's going to be building these massive outdoor enclosures for them yeah. and be able to walk in and check them out. That's just going to be awesome. But yeah. so far, no building has been done. Once we make the move to North Carolina, we'll definitely be building our own setups. I want everything to be a lot more streamlined and look uh, a lot more... Um, aesthetically pleasing to the eye. I want everything to be like one instead of kind of what you're seeing now, you know, screen enclosure, incubator, tanks, my webcam yeah. mirrors. So I said that I hand gestured wrong. <laughs> yeah, we knew what you meant. Um, do you keep any tarantulas? I keep one, the um, Arizona Arizona Blonde. She's just right over there. I can't really get to her. I have my whole setup's kind of blocking me in. But um, yeah, one Arizona Blonde is my first tarantula. I've only had it for a few weeks, but... It's getting me the the little bug bug, I guess to call it, the yeah. spider bug. So now I'm looking at more. I really want like a green bottled blue. That was actually the one I wanted to start with, but I actually have an on um, a stupid fear. You know, spiders, people fear yeah. snakes. Yeah. And w when you're loaning reptiles and you're like, people are scared of snakes. I don't want to be the guy that's like, you can't, why do you fear snakes? They're not going to do anything to you. And then go back and be like, I'm scared of spiders. So <laughs> yeah. I specifically got the Arizona blonde because I wanted to break my fear of spiders and it's been working out pretty well. I wouldn't say I'm scared of her. It's just more of like a ooh, feeling when she like yeah. walks on you. So that's yeah. slowly being broken. As soon as that does, I want to start getting into more species like that green bottled blue. Um, there are a couple others that I'm really interested in as well. Just like the really colorful ones. Yeah. Yeah. I saw one today, which had like, pinks and purples and a nice blue to it and it was oh it was gorgeous the green bottle blues man that's probably my favorite species of tarantula right now they are so colorful and they come in like such a variety of colors even like yeah. jumping spiders those little tiny yes. things it's so cool the variety you can get from them yeah yeah i, I think i'm gonna get some very soon but i'm not gonna tell the wife because she's like outright said no <laughs> but what she doesn't know you know won't hurt uh, lucky, I, I, I got a, I got a really chill wife. She's actually the one that's the big invert. And so when she was buying the jumping spider, I was like, hey, throw in that uh, tarantula in there. Why not? Yeah, yeah, definitely. One thing I've always wanted is the Goliath birdie and tarantula. I've been looking um, into that recently. I got this one spider, and I'm like, now I'm not like super afraid of. It. I'm like, all right, what's the biggest tarantula yeah. I can own? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what I was like. I was like, well, I don't mind spiders. What's the biggest one? Yeah, I'm up for that any day. Oh. Well, I think I've actually come to the end of all my questions. So is there anything that you want to say to the people in the thing or anything you want to say before you go? 
Oh, I mean, thanks for coming in, checking it out. I had a really great time talking. I haven't done a podcast in a while, so this was um, this was really fun. Uh, as if you guys don't know who I am, DBCB Exotics. Uh, I work with a lot of geckos and large lizards, as we talked about. If you guys want to check me out, DBC, you can see the little they got a little banner right there. That's on my Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube channel. Do a lot of gecko content over there. If you guys want to check that out, uh, no ants, unfortunately. I don't know if this is the demographic that'll make the switch over. But if you happen to like ants yeah. and you happen to like geckos, this is the guy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been watching your channel for quite a while now, and it's one of my favorite channels on YouTube over everything. Um, I don't know, it's, it's your style of videos. I enjoy the way that you talk to the camera and you're open and honest about things. Like, I Yeah, yeah that was a big thing I wanted to do before going in. I wanted to be as transparent and honest yeah. that I could. And obviously, if you've been watching the channel for a while, you know that I've got my demons. You know, I've battled stuff with um, getting sober, drug abuse, yeah. Uh, mental problems with borderline and I wanted to be very forefront and honest with that uh, not only that I, I didn't want to hide it I'm, I'm not a person to hide yeah, yeah. you know what I have but I also wanted to use that as an inspiration for others because getting clean is a very difficult thing it, it's yeah. hard and I've seen a lot of people resonate with the videos I've made about overcoming that yeah. and just that in itself was worth it yeah 100 percent 100 percent it I, I've, I'm always trying to be open and honest on my channel. Like I always say, I'm always nice. I'm always honest. You can ask me anything. I think having that transparency with your viewers is quite important. Isn't I it? think I think the authenticity is the first place to start yeah. if you're looking to do a YouTube channel. Now, yeah. you're going to see the channel is definitely going to start evolving into something else. But I'm also going back to the roots. I don't know. How, how long have you been watching? Oh, probably about six months to a year. Six months. I don't know. Was I doing skits back then? No. Uh, that no. might be like pre-pre. I've been on YouTube for a while now. I think. But I used to do a lot of skits. And I want to bring those back. So I want to, if people have been watching, you know, from that like 600 sub era, they're going to start seeing that come back, but with just a lot more uh, better production value. Yeah. Yeah. See, some of my videos, like I said, I put a lot of effort in and I had, I pre-planned it like months ahead sort of thing mm -hmm. and worked for mm -hmm. ages and got other videos out in the meantime. And now I'm trying to make every video good. It's just impossible. What the, the one thing I can tell you, and like I said, you know, I'm doing a huge purge on the channel because I've just been doing yeah. it wrong. Make, it's kind of like the saying, you know, dress for the job you want not the job you have, right? I've been yeah. doing that with the videos. I've been skirting them. This is how much effort I need to put into it to get this many views, you know? I'm not a big channel, so I don't need to put that much effort. And that kind of locks you into a box of, well, you're putting this, you're gonna get a thousand views effort, you're gonna get a thousand views and that's it. So now I'm going for, I'm gonna try to make, I want every video to be a viral video. And if it messes up, you know, if it's not good, well, the next one will be good. You know, yeah. just get a little better and keep putting as much effort as you possibly can. Don't be yes. like me and skirt. You're going to bite yourself in the ass. Now I need to go through YouTube and figure out what videos to keep and what videos. There's 467 of them, man. <laughs> I got to go through all. I, I've been procrastinating. I think I might get to it tonight, finally. Yeah, get, yeah. it's going to be a big job. Uh, it does, it's not a fast job either, deleting them from YouTube. There's quite a few different clips. Yeah, yeah. That's one. That's why I, I was like, oh my God. I don't even remember half of those videos. So it's going to be like, I made a video on this. I don't even remember this. Yeah, I've got almost 200 now. I've only done this a year. 
So yeah, exactly the same. I'll just go like, I look at it like, oh yeah, I forgot I did that one. Whoops. See, it's one of those, like you see these big YouTubers and they only have like 170 videos and, you know, 500,000 subscribers, 100,000 subscribers. I think they're doing the same thing. I think they're, I think they get an idea of what their content's going to be about. Then they purge everything else because there's no way. I mean, I guess there, there might be a way that you got 100,000 subs out of that many videos when yeah. my ass yeah. has been doing it, you know, four times as much with like a fraction of the results i could be wrong yeah. maybe maybe there's something i'm not doing maybe people don't like my face and it's just <laughs> you're still doing amazingly well you are nearly sixteen thousand. is that right yeah 15 uh 15.8 i think i just took a look at it uh, i'm addicted to looking at those numbers that's um yeah that's a big thing <laughs> well i'm just gonna say you're the biggest channel that i've ever interviewed and it's been an absolute honor like really no problem man i appreciate it. i always i always love doing podcasts they're they're always a fun time yeah yeah well i i tried to stay away from too much ant talk tonight that was the one thing it was the one thing i was a little worried about i went on another invert podcast uh, about a year ago and that's all they wanted to talk about and i'm like i don't own any bugs guys why did you yeah. want me on this <laughs> yeah yeah see i i i want to go a little bit further than just ants you know what i mean we've all got these sort of interests if you're into ants you're probably into other things like it you know exactly and it was cool you can see those similarities mash and we saw that yeah. in this yeah, episode yeah. where you could take this and this and it's kind of the same thing we have like the same issues things of that nature yeah no i've i've really enjoyed it thank you very much for coming on you're welcome to stay and hang out and chill with us if you want or you're more than welcome to leave I'm just going to basically keep it, people entertained. We're going to have a duck race and things like that. Good stuff. I wish I could stay. Um, I still have, I don't know if I've ever talked about, I have sciatica. And so okay. s sitting like this, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, you could probably tell like within after the first hour, I'm like constantly yeah. trying to, my back yeah. is in so much pain. So unfortunately I got to go lay down, but I really yeah. appreciate you having me on, man. No, it's been brilliant, man. Thank you, honestly, from the bottom of my heart. And I'll let you go now then. Awesome. You guys take care. All right. Cheers, buddy. Bye. And there we go, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that. I'm just moving the camera slightly. Um, so that was DBCB Exotics. I always get that bit wrong as well. You know what I'm like. Um, there we go. Oh, I, I just went luck. I just went red. Um, so, how is everybody? What you've been up to? We will have a duck race in a minute. Because um, we all love a good duck race, don't we? There's going to be no prizes involved at this point. Um, I'm just going to do my inhaler, because I don't know if you could tell, but I was struggling for breath. And now I'm good again. Kind of. <clears throat> We'll see. But I hope I got everything covered in that. Um, keep the cut. Yeah, it's what it is, is that's my red lights. So everything's just turned red now. Um, I'm going to turn off that light because I feel like I'm literally in the middle of a million lights. I am just bringing up the duck races. So how many people have we got in the chat at the moment? We've got seven people in the chat. If you want to go ahead and call out a number, one to seven, first comes, first serve. Um, pick your number. 
There's no prizes in it at the moment. Oh, it's just dropped down to five. It's dropped down to five, so I'm going to change it down to five ducks. So, Ants England, can you choose again, I'm afraid? We'll go two minutes. Right, so we've got Katrina. Oh, hello, Katrina. I haven't seen you for a while. Thank you for joining us tonight. I did see you comment in, but I haven't had a chance to obviously say hello. Um, we've got Wakushi at five, Ants England at seven, Jazz at four, Happy Ant UK three, Katrina two, Ants England one. Well, I, I confused myself. Right. Wakushi five, Jazz four, Ants England one. Right. You all know your numbers. I don't need to repeat it. You're, you're smarter than that. Come on, let's be honest. But how is everyone getting on? You've been having a good day, good week, rubbish week. Did you enjoy that interview? Are you coming for the next one? Who have I got on Sunday? I should know this. Oh, I do remember, actually. It's going to be a really good one coming to you on Sunday. We have Phil Barber from Incredible Inverts, um, and he's also like a zookeeper and stuff. Yeah, it's just going to be amazing. So another great stream. Don't miss out. Right, so here we go. Three, two, one, two-minute race, on we go. <coughs> and now the viewership is going up again. Uh, new viewers, we will do another race in a minute, so you're more than welcome to hang about. Um, on a Sunday, it's exactly the same time as a Wednesday, so every Wednesday and Sunday we go live at 8.30, um, with the feeding in the picnic, uh, feeding in the molten species tank. Then at nine o'clock UK time, we do the interview until that finishes about half 10, 11. And then I will stay here and keep everyone entertained for a little while longer. Last time we stayed until midnight or even past it, I think. Hello, Roger. Hello, everyone. Um, yeah. So I, I am here. Until the duration sort of thing. Oh, that's really nice of you to say, Jazz. Thank you. You look forward to these. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to make it like something, you know, that you would look forward to. You'd enjoy coming back weekly to see who's, or twice a week to see who's coming on. Have a little chat with me. Have a little duck face. Right, it does look a lot like that pink duck's going to win, but I I reckon, I reckon that, oh, oh, it's, oh, it's getting, reindeer duck is coming up on the outside. Go on, reindeer duck. No, no, it's, it's red duck. <laughs> happy Ant UK. Well done. You won nothing, but well done. Um, That one. 
So we'll give it a minute. Not even watching the race. No. Uh, like, you just go watch the winner, really. I mean, I, I could put it back to the tank so you don't have to see my ugly mug. How about that? Give me 30 seconds and I will do that. Da -da -da -da. Oh, keep on me. Oh, thank you. Oh, hey, Jaman. Thanks for coming in, buddy. Thanks. Pretty cool, though. Let's have a little zoom on it. The ants are going pretty nuts. They like their waxworms. I'm going to go on roaches again in a few days, probably on Sunday. Um, Oh, J-Man, you've been here the whole time. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'll give them roaches again next time. But for now, they're on waxworms. They love their waxworms because it's just easy. How did I get in touch with Phil? Um, I have my ways to get in touch with everybody, apparently. That's how I'm getting such amazing people on the stream. No, honestly, I just, I can't remember. I just found a way. I've always been good at that. Okay, well, I I will put it back on myself in a minute. But I'm I'm here regardless. Yeah, I know a man about a dog. That's it. I know several guys with dogs, and they all come from a dark pub down a street alleyway or something like that. I don't know. I don't even know what I just said. But you get the idea. <coughs> oh, you know Phil personally? Well, it's going to be pretty interesting having him on the show again. A great channel. Um, doing that review. No, it wasn't through Ryan. It was my own personal investigation squad. No, it wasn't. It was just me, man. I do everything myself. You know that. Problem is, if you ask other people to do it, then you could be waiting. And I don't wait if I get an idea. I think it was literally after I spoke to you, um, you mentioned some of his videos. Like, that same night, I was emailing him. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that video I did a review on, which released out today instead of Monday, because I'm a fool, I'm afraid. Um, that leafcutter colony is insane. And he, he does seem like a really nice, genuine guy as well, which is going to be cool. Um, really sad. I, I've got some really great people coming on the stream at the moment, like, blowing my mind. I, it was a real honor to have DBCB um, come on tonight. Like, they say, it's definitely the biggest channel I've ever interviewed. But it was more like really interesting stuff wasn't it i i've i've loved his videos for a long time big fan of his to be honest so it was a real honor personally to have him come on oh we've got 
Phil Barber next on this Sunday coming. We've got Aesthetic Ants next Wednesday. And then we've got um, Ants Arthropods coming in on the 13th. Um, Anthropods, Arthropods, I can never say that. And then Open Mic Night on the 16th. So it's going to be brilliant. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you like the lineup. I am I am working quite hard on getting some really interesting people, like not just ant people, to be honest. But if, like I say, if you're interested in ants, there's a good chance you're going to be interested in dragons and other stuff. So some of these people have got some really cool things to say as well. You know, these streams are open. Thank you, Happy Ant UK. That's really kind of you to say. I, I am trying to put a lot of work and effort into them, to be honest. I want to make them as good as they can be. Because at the end of the day, you've just sat here for like, I don't know, two hours? What's the time? Yeah, two hours nearly of me chatting. And there was half an hour before that. So we've done, yeah, we've done two up, two, nearly two and a half hours. So if you're going to listen to me for two and a half hours, I'm going to have to put some effort in, make it entertaining for you and worth watching. <clears throat> but thank you very much for noticing that I have put in some work to these because I am trying. But if you, if anyone has any suggestions on how to improve it, just let me know because I'm always up for more. Um, don't forget whilst there's, a chance to say you can sign up for the ants on the rock newsletter the first edition come out on the 1st of february yesterday was sent out to all the people on the newsletter mailing list um, you can sign up just send me a little message or you can wait until next wednesday when our website goes live and that is going to be absolutely amazing make sure you check it out make sure you sign up um it's going to be like the ant keeping forum that everyone's going to want to go to because it's going to have everything um it's not going to be a shop not just yet there might be some things coming in the future but i'm not going to spoil that um but it's like you say it's more of a meeting place a hub a forum everything you need from ant keeping this will send you to the right place um snake discovery yes i've I might have sent them an email or something, but I, I can't reveal too far into the future because I want to keep a little bit of suspense, don't I? Um, I can go as far as the end of March right now, but I'm not going to tell you who's on. Ooh. Um, yeah, Scott's Inverts. David's Little Beast. I haven't heard of that one. Um, and another thing that's going on is the Ant Keeping Awards. The votes have been collected in, surveys have been finished, all of that lot. So the data is going to be processed the next day I get off work, basically. And then I will be uh, sending out the certificates to the winners of the Ant Keeping Awards for this year. Um, I'm going to be doing them at the start of every year, and it represents the year just gone, basically. So if the color, uh, the categories for this year are best ant shop in your country 
and um, best podcast, best ant podcast. Now that best ant podcast, the data was collected quite a while back and votes were cast and all of that lot. So I'm just going to use what they already done. I'm not even in it. Uh, quite a lot entered the surveys and quite a lot emailed me as well. I'm just going to say that for Ants England who asked a question. Um, there was 60-something in the survey and I had another 20-something emails. I am still gathering data. I really wanted like hundreds and hundreds, but I'll do the best I can. Um, hopefully next year I will get far more data. But obviously, keep sending me in um, the surveys and emails if you haven't already, because all of that data will also go on the forum, where I will be able to direct new ant keepers, old ant keepers, all ant keepers to the best ant shops voted by you for the previous year in their country. And I'm hopefully going to get loads of different countries. Um, I've got like... At least four or five different countries, not just America and UK. I've got like Netherlands and Sweden and things like that, which have been quite interesting to see that these people are actually filling out my surveys. So I'm really appreciated of that. Um, what else was I saying? Yeah. So obviously I'm going to do the Ant Keeping Awards next year. There will be more categories as well. Um, but yeah, hopefully it will actually mean something, the fact that they've been voted some of the best ant keeping shops by the people that they serve if you know what i mean i'm hoping it means something i'm hoping it gets as big as like the tv awards and we have like a little award ceremony one day and you hand out like a proper thing that's recognized by people like wow you've actually got that award that means you're actually worth your salt Hopefully it just uh, stops some of the scamming as well. If you can find this easy to find directory of all the best ant shops in your country, hopefully, you know, hopefully it will just, um, hopefully it will just um, stop the scamming. Sorry, I lost my trail of thought halfway through that. Right. So if if all of you have got these amazing um, suggestions please send me them in an email or something because I'm never going to remember to go through the chat and find them all. Um, it's actually quite difficult to do that sometimes. But if you can send me a little email or a message or something with them, that would be really spot on. Did you see pricing on the Ancon tickets has been... Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh. Oh, shall I have a look? Is that on the Ant Antics website? Or is that on AntCon? have a look on the Ancon. Wakushi can tell us. Yeah, it's the link from Antantics to Ancon, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Right. Am I blind? I'm probably blind. Where's the price? Why can't I see the price? Where, what, 
hang on, I'm confused. I'm really no good with websites and technology. Right, okay, here we go. Makushi's telling us. 65 gold, 45 silver, 25 bronze, but... And there is a but. I'm going fucking platinum, excuse the language. <laughs> the stuff you get is worth a lot more. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll be getting a gold one if they're available. Strictly because I don't do anything at the lowest level. <laughs> if you're going to waste money, you may as well waste money on something you love. I wasn't just going to spend it on food or something. I don't know. We don't need more food, do we? But that's super cool. Oh, the tank just went completely red. There is a list on tickets. Yeah, I, I signed up for a thing ages ago. I think there was a, like a pre-sign-up list for a ticket or something, wasn't there? I can't remember. But if there was, I'm on it. <coughs> Gold will go on sale day before. Ah, so what I'll probably do is I'll probably buy a couple of silver and then buy some gold as well and take the whole family if I get them all. And if not, it'll just be me. Maybe the missus if she's really lucky, but. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, Happy Hands. Like, if you, that's why I say I'll get sil two silver for me and my missus and then if the golds go on as well and i can get golds then i'll upgrade myself and i'll take like my brothers or something S something i'll make it work i shall make it work Jazz wants to go. Why can't you go, Jazz? Why? Why? What's stopping you? I think is the one of the parts of gold will be the earlier option to buy a ticket. Yeah. Maybe that it's gold. So I'm just reading as all these comments are coming in. Something nice in the background whilst we in the ad. Hey, Campanotic Ants, I hope I said that right. Message to you, my friends. Thank you very much, Katrina. That's very helpful. I'm going to set up another duck race. Should we... How many people are in the chat at the moment? We have seven, right. So seven ducks. If you want to choose a duck, call out your number now, and I shall start in a second.
Right, I'm not going to go through all your numbers. You know what number you are. You're more than smart enough. Let's get this thing going. And there we go, number seven, Katrina. You won absolutely nothing, so well done for that. That was fun, wasn't it? Swap back onto it. So we stopped them from quacking at us. That's, that's, the, that's the key. Stop them from quacking. If you can stop a duck from quacking, I don't know. You probably killed the duck. I would be offended if you didn't get a t-shirt. No, I'm only joking, but that, that is something like, you should always get a t-shirt everywhere you go. Go get a t-shirt. Will there be t-shirts for Kushi? I know that is pretty random, but I want a t-shirt. We like we're all in. Yeah, I know. Yeah, all right. I am considering turning up in a full ant costume, but I don't know. <coughs> right. So normally I only wear um, a vest. Like I've lived my life in vests. But all of these people keep giving me t-shirts at the minute. I'm not going to say no to a cool t-shirt.
especially an ant t-shirt but i've got like all my weightlifting t-shirts and other stuff yeah yeah full ant costume the thing is i can't find one that i really like i want like big flappy arms and stuff you know Well, I tell you one thing, I'm very tired. Yeah, in Wales, that's that's the hardest problem with it. It's in Wales, it's very far away. So you just like travel up the day before, stay in a hotel or something, do that, then stay in another hotel the next day. I don't know. I'll make it work. Even if I have to cycle there, I'll get there. And yes, I would cycle to Wales. So that's not even like daunting. Yeah, it is quite far. I mean, everywhere's far from me. My tiny little island in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> no, I hope. See, that is one thing, like, Britain's so small, but it's still so big. I don't know how the Americans do it. Like, their country's just ridiculous size. You drive four out. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I don't drive, so <sighs> cycle for me. No, I'll probably catch a train, I say. Catch a train. Uh, stay in a hotel or something local. I don't know. I'll make something happen. There you go, Jazz. You're pretty close. You could, I don't know. You said you can't afford to go. So uh, money sucks. I'm just going to say money sucks. Everything in the world should be free. And we should do each other favors like communism but something that works <laughs> yeah i expect i'll get to the hotel and there'll be like all the other youtubers and all the and people and they'll, they'll it'll just be a hotel of people i know i expect that used to happen actually i used to um when i was younger i lived with someone who owned a massive music website so we got to go around to like all the gigs and festivals and stuff and like we used to, we went to Download Festival one year. I think it was Download Festival. And we stayed in a hotel the night before. And staying in the hotel were all the bands playing at Download Festival. So I ended up having dinner with Flogging Molly. And I met Metallica and Slipknot and all of that lot there. And then it was really funny. Because I was a VIP, I was walking around the VIP area. And I was only about 13 at the time. I had a tequila slush puppy in my hand walking around the VIP area and there was the members of Slipknot again and they were just like, what are you doing here? I was like, ah, I'm following you. <laughs> Sneak me in, I'll sleep on the floor, lift from Taunton also. Yeah, I mean, someone needs to get like a bus, the Ant Con bus and we go on Ant Tour. <coughs> 
it would basically just be a party bus, wouldn't it? And we'd do ant stuff during the day. Oh, Wakushi, you get in the bus. All right, there you go. Well, we all need to book seats on Wakushi's bus. And a guy from the USA. Yeah, you said about that. That's pretty cool. Really cool, actually. Is he, um, like, is he taking part in the event or is he just coming to see the event? The person coming from the USA. Okay, just a massive fan. Still, that's very cool. What I should have done, if if I was smart enough, is mentioned it to, I've got a mycologist friend that's over in the States, and he was going to come over at some point to visit me and see the ants and all of that, like, you know. So I should have said to him to come over for AntCon, Eight hundred pounds, like yeah, flipping heck. To be fair, that's probably nothing for him, but for me, that's, that's a lot of money. That's like my rent, nearly. It's like pay rent or go to AntCon. Hmm. You know what I'd be doing? I'd be living at AntCon for at least a month. <laughs> So if anyone complains, it's too far. Yeah, that's fair. Ryan has a far journey. Hole's coming from Jem. Yeah, Holofer is coming, isn't he? That's going to be exciting. It's going to be really cool to meet everyone, like, properly. We always talk so much, but um, it'd be cool to actually meet everyone. Well, I say we always talk so much. We usually do. I've been sort of out of contact with most people lately. I've just been so busy between what I'm doing and where I'm working and training and doing other things, you know. So busy, I just haven't been able to keep up with people like I usually do. Me and Antscape's Ryan usually chat loads, like almost constantly. I've just been so busy, as most people that send me messages would know, and most people in my Discord would know.
I just there's a lot going on right now. What I'm trying to do, right? If I'm completely honest, I'm trying to do like six months worth of work in two weeks, which is completely doable by my standards. <laughs> but I, I just have to kick everyone else away for a little bit so I can crack on with what I need to do. He's getting there from driving. So I like for those that drive. To be fair, I could I could get more of my drivers to do it, but I don't even want to stay. I don't know. Uh work on website, work on a few things, Wakushi. I've got I've got quite a lot going on at the minute, like secret ideas and things like that. We could say it's all to do with the website in a way, one way or another, yeah. But yeah, I'm just getting a lot of work done in one big hit. Like I say, the thing about me is when I get one plan, it leads on to another plan, which leads on to another plan. And everything, just, I, I try and get everything done. You know what I mean? No, that's a rubbish way of explaining it. I get crazy ideas. And then I get even crazier ideas. And if I want to get something done, I do it, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, I, I've got some mad ideas at the minute. I think it's, to be honest, and like I say, it's not, I'm not an ant shop, don't get me wrong. You know I'm not an ant shop. I have no interest in producing my own goods or anything like that. But what I am planning is going to blow people's minds, I hope. And help the community is the main goal. But just things that we haven't done before, things that are already out there which aren't in the ant keeping community, you know, things like that. The newsletter was a start. I think that's really going to come on leaps and bounds over the next few months. Yeah, see, Wakushi, everyone always tells me that the hard part's putting ideas into reality. I've never struggled, right? I'm, I'm, more what's the word mentally i'm just crazy right when i get an idea i'm like 100 miles an hour until i work out how i do it um but you are right like it, that is always the hardest part is getting your idea to actually work um be something viable but i feel like i've got good experience where i need it already if you know what i mean I mean, um, one thing which I, I never really go into, one of my past jobs was to actually, I won't say who I worked for or where I worked, but it was basically to go into different offices and um, work out what was going wrong, improve things, um, basically anything that needed doing, it was my job to get it done. They called me a specialist improvement officer. And yeah, it was literally my job to go in and say, well, that's crap. We're going to change that. That's missing. We're going to do that. And like, I'd go in and get like everybody else's job done like super fast. So that was my job. <laughs> I was a troubleshooter, you could say. Yeah, uh, Wakushi, the website is going to be out a week from today, Wednesday. 
uh, it will go completely live. It is up on the internet and you can find it, but it's on a hidden domain at the moment. Um, but it will be on its proper domain and live next Wednesday, one week from today. And I'm really super excited. So I've spent like hours on it every day. I'm up until like two o'clock in the morning, getting up at five in the morning. Um, yeah, but it's going good. It's going good. And it's going to be worth it. You know, the whole idea, the whole plan, it's coming together. Um, I've had some help and I will continue to get help from a few other people. What's going to be the domain? I think it's going to be just Amps on the Rock, basically. I'm not 100% sure yet. I've got like two or three ideas that I was buzzing about, but I think it's just going to be answerofrock.com, basically. I love it when a plan comes together. Yeah, that's it. That's it. it it's nice to know that, like, I am putting a fair bit of work into it, so it's nice to see it actually turning into something that's viable. Um, happy to Kate, you're going. Good night. Thank you for signing in and watching the stream and chatting along with us. <laughs> yeah, Rikushi. Name's not important, buddy. It's the content that's within it. The name, like, the, 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 the domain name, when I last checked, Ants on the Rock was free. But obviously that might change um but yeah it's it's all good see i've already got a name wakushi my name's ants on the rock so i don't need to do that i've got logos i've got all of that it's not an issue like the only thing that's an issue is the content that's on it. Like everything else is just going to be passed straight over from the brand I've already got going, if you know what I mean. So I've got logos, I've got branding, I've got my name. It's just whether that specific domain name is available when I go to buy it. Yeah. So it's not too much work in that sense. Like it's more turning. The branding I've already got into an actual bigger thing, if you know what I mean. But I put in a lot of um, I did business studies in college before I took on my music degree and things like that. And I did run a business when I was, oh, how old was I? Like 18, which it was quite successful. We'll say it was quite successful. I left it at a good rate and I didn't need to work for quite a while. We'll say that. Um, yeah, yeah, I will post links up, and like I say, it, it's it's just going to be a cool place to, like, visit, just for, like, little bits of information. There's going to be, like, updates and all the nuptial flights that are happening, and news and events and other stuff, and stuff to do with me, stuff to do with ants, stuff to do with anything I can put on it. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Uh, fat man, not Batman. What exactly have we walked into on here? Welcome. Thank you for joining us on Twitch. Uh, we're just here watching ants and stuff, Fat Man, not Batman. Um, chatting random crap at the minute. We've done our interview for the night, so we're just here chatting. Um, yeah, watching the multi-species tank. 
You prefer Deck. All right, I shall call you Deck. Well, welcome to the stream. Thank you for joining us on Twitch. It's really nice to get some Twitch viewers again. Um, but yeah, we're just sort of chilling here, winding down. What have been up to? Do you keep ants, Deck? I haven't met you before. <coughs> um, we were just talking about um, the... I keep saying um. We were just talking about the Ants and the Rock website coming out next wednesday it's going to be really cool got lots of super cool plans for it it's not going to be a shop it's more of a um information forum um directory that sort of thing but it's going to be really good i i do name some of my ants um mainly because i've got multiple colonies of the same species so like i've got like three colonies of my makaruba so i've named them specifically just so i can say to my daughters and whatnot i'll go to this one or that one and she quite enjoyed naming her colony as well so we have got some named colonies i don't name them all and i haven't even named my scorpion believe it or not um we've also named the vampire crabs the three adults are called mr crabs tamatoa and merlin um, do I ever think about battling them? Never. I would never put my ants into battle. I would never do that to any of my pets or stuff. Like, I don't believe in cage fighting with dogs, so I, I, I wouldn't do it with my ants. It's the same sort of thing, in my opinion. Now, if they had tiny swords, yeah, I, I might well put them in for a little battle. I'd probably have a magnifying glass and watch that. That would be worth watching. But I, I'm just not up for like a savage massacre, if you know what I mean. But tiny swords, yeah, I'd watch a little sword fight. Little ant sword fight. Right, who has seen the new episode of Boba Fett? I don't want to ruin it for anyone that hasn't, hasn't seen it yet. But my God, if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. But I'm not going to say any more because it's too, ma too many spoilers and it's too close. It only came out today. So uh, if you haven't seen it, you need to. It was brilliant. Yes, we could say that. We could say that. There, not quite ants in it, but uh, well, I'm just going to blow your minds. There was a droid that reminded me of an ant. So just watch it. Just watch it. It was worth it. Oh, excuse my bad cough again. Ah, Ants England's watched it. Brilliant. See, I, I normally chat about the Star Wars uh, Boba Fett episode on a Sunday because I don't want to chat about it on the Wednesday. But it, it kind of comes out all the time. Yeah, tiny swords and helmets. If if we could get ants in time, right? So who's seen those? What do they call them? Those flea circuses. If we could get that for ants, how cool would that be? Like little trapezes and hula hoops they can jump through and stuff. They never would. They'd probably just tear at the pieces and nest in it. But the idea would be there. 
<coughs> Excuse me. Drinking coffee, and that went down the wrong way. Not what you need when you've got chest issues. Um, I'm probably going to give it about another, or oh, should we say, four or five minutes, and then I'm going to go, I reckon. In fact, if we set up one last duck race for three minutes, and then I think I'm going to go at the duck, at the end of the duck race. Because I must get to sleep tonight. Oh, we'll go that one, that one. We'll go that way. Yeah, everyone call out your number. Oh, we've got eight people in the chat at the moment. So we'll go with eight. If you're on Twitch, call out a number and I shall shout it out. And I shall let you know if you have got it. We've got Jazz at five, Mark at three. This is going to be the last duck race of the night. Antscapes at one. You like his head? He does look like um, a panda, like a panda duck. I like the strawberry duck. Strawberry duck's pretty cool. We've got a snowman duck, purple duck, cold duck, stripy duck, and by the looks of it, COVID duck. Right, so we've got Jazz at five, Katrina at seven, Mark at three, Antscapes at one. I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Jurez Ants at six. That is five of you so far. If the last three want to get a number, I will reiterate there is no prize. We're just doing it for fun. Antscapes has faith in his panda. Right, let's start this race. Go. If you haven't called a number, you can still get a free duck. I'd be good in a fairground, wouldn't I? Roll up, roll up. Come watch a duck race. No, I'd, I'd actually be rubbish in a fairground. I haven't got the voice for it. The whole shouty thing. It's not really me, is it? Right, if no one's number four, I'm going to be number four. <laughs> Simply because that looks like, like, that's, that's the sort of duck that I want to be. If I was a duck, I would be that sort of duck. Number four, blue scarf, top hat. Yeah, awesome. Oh, Panda Duck's falling back. It is very tight between those leaders. COVID Duck coming up through the middle. Yeah, Rikushi, I believe number eight is three. Yes, it is, yeah. Oh, 
Oh, number eight's looking really good, actually. Just edging away on the outside. Oh, no, I'm dropping back. Come on, number four. Push forwards. Oh, I reckon number four is saving some energy up. That's what it is. Holding back, save some energy for that last final run, you know. That strawberry-looking duck, that one's dodgy. I don't like his eyes, actually. I don't like his eyes. I feel like he's looking at me. No, oh, they're all sort of dropping back now. Last 20 seconds. I'm glad you feel like that, Katrina. It is very much an ant family. All right, last five seconds. We're all pushing for it. Come on, number four. Number seven's going up. Number seven. And it's number seven. So well done, Katrina, again. Wow, you're on a roll tonight. You better go, like, buy a lottery ticket or something. But right, I'm going to call it a night now. Thank you all very much for joining me on another Picnic Table live chat. Uh, this has been Season 2, Episode 1. I say nothing's really changed apart from the artwork, so that's all. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it, as always. Don't forget to see my video coming out on Saturday. It shows all the issues that I've had this past few days. Um, with one of my colonies just not doing what they should be doing and having to have an emergency move. So if you want to see that, that's on Saturday. On Sunday, we have the picnic table live chat again with Phil Barber from Incredible Inverts. So that's going to be absolutely amazing. Don't miss out on that one. And of course, we've got all the other usual content coming out. Um, website's coming out next Wednesday. I will make an announcement on that picnic table as well. And the links will be posted absolutely everywhere for the next couple of weeks. So you, you hopefully will see it. Um, don't forget, you can sign up to my newsletter. Um, it's absolutely brilliant. Well, I hope it's brilliant for a first edition of our newsletter. It's got a load of news in it. It's got some updates on myself and a little blog. That what's been going on in the ant corner that you're not going to be able to see or read anywhere else um, and there's some uh, nutshell flight news and other bits and bobs on the newsletter that's just like it's a free thing it doesn't cost you anything it's just a bit of extra reading content isn't it that we all like because it's ants um, and what else is there to say don't forget you can support these streams through patreon if you're interested in supporting the channel or the streams and that is about it. I'm going to let everyone go. Good night, Jores. Good night, Antscapes. Good night, Katrina. Good night, Martin. Good night, Jazz. Good night, Wakushi. Good night, just about everyone that's here. And I hope I haven't missed anybody. Thank you very much for signing in. It really does mean a lot to me, massively. And I think that's about it. So I'm just going to say a massive thanks to my Patreon supporters that are supporting me already. Kevin Rogerson, we've got Jason Walker, we've got Anti Matters, 
and ants are us for supporting the whole picnic table live stream and that is it i'm gonna shut up and leave you to it good night everybody thanks for tuning in and as always i'll see you again soon ant fans